0: What's poppin', everybody? Welcome to Real Talk with JP. This is episode four. I am your host, Joe Prokes, and with me today is another one of my great, great friends. Not from high school this time, because my previous friends were from high school, but this one is from college. My great friend, Adam Plumstead. Adam, how you doing?
1: Man, if I was doing any better, Joey, I'd be you, my man.
0: Yeah? Why are you doing so well?
1: Well... I'm very excited to come on this. As uh, we talked before, try to come very prepared. Oh, yes.
0: Everything and everything. We have documents in front of us, ladies and gentlemen. We have documents. Yes, sir. I love it. So what have you been up to lately?
1: Well, um, I'm down in Detroit. Nice. uh, Working as a tax accountant at a big, big time accounting firm. Okay. Uh, So this past uh, Monday, everyone's asking me about how to file their taxes and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, most of my clients are businesses and not people. Well, for the most part, I have no idea how to, what your college deduction needs to be or
0: whatever. Yeah. It's definitely not a quick question and answer session. Right. But yeah, that, I
1: mean, that's what I've been up to. I've been down there for about two years come July and, nice, you know, Detroit's awesome. The the renaissance has been amazing.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: I wish our
1: sports teams were doing a lot better, but, yes.
0: you know. It seems like they're all, well, I guess, I mean, the Lions are on the up and up. I mean, We'll talk about that later, but mm-hmm. it seems like the Tigers, although they started out hot, and the Red Wings, I mean, based off especially what happened today, that they're both kind of in rebuild
2: mode.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm glad that they've both realized that, okay, we can't be running on fumes anymore oh, yeah. mean, with the Tigers. Back and i mean when we made the world series in 2012 with verlander and miggy and whatnot like that was the peak and And they were at their prime right and then we got swept by the giants and it's like okay so we're gonna keep running on this then we trade for david price we trade for Annabelle sanchez we we trade for all these big name big contract guys and you know just never resulted to anything more than that one world series appearance we lose scherzer who's Kicking tail right now. and Yeah. And, um, I mean,
0: avoided paying him nine figures of a contract, but he's still, I mean, top at the time, especially he was top five, maybe even top three pitches in the league.
1: Right. And now he's still killing it with the nationals. Yeah. And maybe his mean, like, two different colored eyes. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Makes him see the see the catcher's mitt better. Oh yeah, that's I'm what, sure it's that's no what coincidence.
0: Says. Yeah, it's no coincidence. And we trade my um, my boyfriend Justin Verlander. Oh yeah, away
1: and he dude. Goes that's how I felt from, when
0: they traded away Ian Kinsler. I loved Ian uh, Kinsler. I have a Kinsler jersey. It's the only baseball jersey I own. Nice man. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean in and Verlander. Yeah, we got a lot back for him, but yeah. he goes off and wins a World Series without us. And it's like I was rooting for him. Like, yeah, I love him to death. When he goes to Cooperstown, uh, when he retires. He's gonna have the old English D on his hat, so. Oh yeah. I mean, so I mean, the Tigers' full blown rebuild. Cabrera's on a horrible contract. He's not. He's not hitting those triple crown numbers anymore. But yeah, I mean, we got a lot of guys in the pipeline, but it's we're a long ways from competing again with the
0: Red Wings. I mean. Yeah, they Even, just signed or they just uh, hired Steve Eisman as their GM today. Yeah, that, that's big That news. was my wet dream. Yeah, that, I mean, it seemed like it was a lot of people's wet dream. Yeah,
1: Stevie Stevie's coming home, which is yeah. perfect. And, and he was
0: sick for the Lightning too. He was.
1: He may I think it is nine seasons as the GM in Tampa Bay. He was. They took him to the playoffs six times. Yeah, and they went to one Stanley Cup final. Never made it. Uh, never got over the hump and won uh, the Stanley Cup. But yeah. I mean Tampa Bay was nothing when he got there yeah and you know we he was like a, a assistant uh, executive for the longest time I think four or five years and the year after we won the cup in 08 I think that's when he went to take the job and Tampa Bay you know get his feet wet see what it's like to be a GM yeah and then you know we were running running on fumes with our playoff streak and whatever and yeah.
0: so how many years was he in Tampa Bay
1: He was in Tampa Bay for nine years. Okay, This was his ninth year. And
0: then did he resign?
1: Yeah. So at the beginning of the year, Steve said, yeah, this will be my last year. I'm stepping down. I'm going to be grooming this next guy to be the GM. And then at the end of the year, I'm going to come back home, quote, unquote. Well,
0: and as soon as I heard that he was resigning, I just heard everywhere that the rumors were that he was going to Detroit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ken Holland's 62 years old. Yeah. (laughs) If you talk
0: to... How old is Iversman?
1: Oh, he was drafted as an 18-year-old in 1983, I want to say. So, uh, I mean, 26 years plus 18 is forty. Five?
0: Yeah, he's forty-five right there you now. Go. That's solid math.
1: Yeah, yeah, great mental math here. Yeah. and wait, wait, eighty-three. Wait, forty-five seems a little young. 30, yeah, he's fifty-five then. He, 55, he Yeah, okay. he must be a fifty-five then. Yeah,
0: forgot a ten there. Yeah, you know, <laughs> carry the one that. that, that you know. Forgot to carry the one. It's always the carry the one that I I mess up.
1: Tax accountant right here. Yeah. yeah make those big bucks. <laughs> yeah, I want you doing my taxes. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you a real nice deduction. <laughs> Nice little refund. Anyway, yeah. so he's 55 years old, spent nine years in Tampa Bay, got him to the Stanley Cup final. Gotcha. And uh, Ken Holland, 62 years old. Uh, if you talk to the old talking, talking heads of hockey like uh, Connor Gartland, yeah. he wanted Ken Holland gone five years ago.
0: Shout out episode two guest. Connor yeah, Garland.
1: Connor Gartland. I lived with Connor for a few years. We'll, we'll get more into our background. Yeah, for uh, sure. Of our great friendship later. Yes. But with... You know, Ken Holland just trying to get to keep that playoff streak live And then when it was the last season at the Joe, Dotsuk was gone. It was just Zetterberg playing on pins and needles at that point. Yeah, and
0: I was pumped because the last year of the Joe Lewis Arena that it was like a thing. I was able to go to a game which was also my first ever Red Wings game. So I was way pumped that I was able to go to one right before the Joe Lewis Arena got like closed down.
2: Uh, Joe
1: is a shitty old barn, but yeah.
0: it was Detroit's shitty old barn. Have you
1: been to Little Caesars? I have been to LCA a few times. N- nice. Is it game. is it way dope? It is amazing for yeah. a hockey game. Yeah. It is a, it's practically a Red Wings museum. Yeah. You got all the statues evenly laid out. They got the old Olympia, which was the place they played before the Joe. They got that old sign hanging up there. They got all these murals of Gordie Howe and Steve Eisenman, all these uh, Captains raising the cup, and it's really, really a. I mean, that's just before you even watch a game. Yeah. When you enter the game, the arena, it's the Pistons and the Red Wings play there, and with hockey there's not a bad seat in yeah. the house oh yeah and it's it's more of a, a vertical look up and down it's not so much a horizontal look so looking down it's really really cool to watch a game like yeah that. i
0: was just gonna say that's probably beneficial more so for hockey games that would be kind of nice mm-hmm. it's still cool to see a basketball game i've been to a few pistons games but nice. with They're living El- down there i imagine you got to go to games all the time i mean there's nothing else better to do. And plus, <laughs> and plus that's sweet that all the sports are downtown too
1: yeah all four major sports teams are within a few blocks of each other which is Awesome. Yeah. You know,
0: it's you know if our teams were a little bit better, the place would be
1: unreal. But, yeah, which you know, is good.
0: I mean, which, yeah, if they were better, it would be even better f- for the city of Detroit, but especially for the city of Detroit to have all the sports teams and how passionate Detroit fans can mm-hmm. be and are. I feel like having them all downtown. Although I was pretty upset about the Little Caesars Arena name because it's like sponsored by Little Caesars, come to watch a basketball game and a hockey game. And right. It was a little too on the nose. But, I mean, because like Gillette Stadium, when I, when I hear Gillette Stadium for the Patriots, I think of the Patriots Stadium. I don't think of razors that I get from my face. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when I say Little Caesars Arena, it doesn't make me think of the Detroit Pistons. It makes me think of a hot and ready pizza. Yeah. $5, right?
1: Yeah. And, but yet, the hot and ready's at LCA are like $15. But yeah. that's another story <laughs> for another day. Yeah. But, yeah, I... I, I mean, I haven't called uh, Little Caesars, Little Caesars Arena, more than maybe 10, 15 times. I always called the Pizza Palace as a joke. Pizza Palace—that's yeah. a great name. Yeah, that's I, way I, better than Little yeah, Caesars Arena. <laughs> I, I was so pissed. Like, you could call it like Caesar's Coliseum. You could call it Gordy yeah. Howe Arena. I mean, yeah. you have all these big uh, historical figures in the city of Detroit. Yeah. But the just wanted to slap their um, their company's name on it. And, yeah.
0: You know, And slap they did indeed because it's covering the entire roof of the stadium. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a,
0: it's
1: a little bit of a joke, but, yeah. you know, you, you, you win some, you lose some, I guess. Because
0: yeah. even across the way, you think of, like, Ford... I mean, obviously, I guess I'm saying this because it's new, so it's a little bit more unfamiliar than, let's say, the ones I was going to mention was going to be Ford Field and Comerica Park. Right. But... Even because they seem to ring or roll off the tongue more than Little Caesars Arena. It's probably because the business has two names, but still.
1: Right, yeah. And, you know, you could have something a little bit more like Detroit, like Proud. Like, yeah. Yeah, the Fords are the Fords, and I think they're the worst owners in the NFL. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, <laughs> but, I mean, Ford is a Detroit brand, yeah. and, you know, there's such blue-collar uh, blue collar, uh mentality behind the, the Ford brand and the, the, you know, 40 hour work week and whatever. Do like
0: GM, GM, something like GM stadium or GM arena or something right, like right. that. That would be a good name. Right.
1: And you know, Comerica park is, is just a really, really sharp and catchy name to yeah. it. And you know, Comerica is an awesome venue to go watch a game as well. But Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, go, you know, circling back eventually to the whole Red Wings thing uh, and Steve Eisenman. Oh, yeah. You know, Ken Holland, he's been there forever. I think he was there when after 97 when we first won the Cup. And then he's been the GM since. And, oh, wow. So he's been there a while. Yeah, he's been there a long, long time. And he was the best general manager for a long time because – Hockey didn't have a salary cap. Yeah, and so he was able to go get a Sergey Fedorov and go to because
0: um, Iceman and Fedorov play together, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Fedorov is and was an amazing hockey player. It's a oh, damn yeah. shame his his number isn't retired. And, and you know that's uh, again another story for another day. But yeah. <laughs> but you know we can't we can't sneak into Russia and sneak into a hotel where Sergey Fedorov is staying. Show them a briefcase of like five million dollars and say, "If you come with us right now and hop on the secret plane, you'll get this five million dollars if you come play for the Detroit Red Wings." We we don't yeah. we can't do that
0: anymore. Yeah, two
1: thousand one.
0: Because that's definitely what they did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh
1: yeah. The Absolutely. Red Wings scouting department is now the standard of the NHL. They were the trailblazers for, uh, you know, doing these foreign scouting, going yeah. to the farmlands of Iceland and and Germany and Russia and these guys that no one else in the world knew about, but the Red Wings did because yeah. they, they had scouts overseas and looking at these guys, bringing them in. And that's how we were able to get a Datsuk and able to get a Zetterberg because yeah. no one else knew about these guys. Now there's a salary cap and, and we'll never have uh, like nine hall of famers like our 2001 team. So, yeah. you know, it, it's uh, sad because Ken Holland did such a great job for a long time with the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, but, what
0: they do, like 25 years in a row with making the playoffs? Yeah. That was yeah, the record? Yeah. Unbelievable insane. Insane.
1: and For I mean, any sport, not even just yeah, hockey, for any it, sport. Yeah, it was unbelievable what they did. and But I think the Illich family and Holland, they eventually realized, okay, we can't just be – we can't just be making the playoffs anymore. We're not going to win a Stanley Cup by just trying to make the playoffs every yeah, year and getting. Because that lucky.
0: definitely wasn't twenty five Stanley Cups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you, I mean, obviously, if you even win a few in that area of time, then it's a success. But still, when you make it that many times in a row, then you, you look, you start to look at, okay, why aren't these converting into Stanley Cups?
1: Right. So you know, eventually, we decide to blow blow the whole thing up, start trading away assets. Yeah. try rebuild tr- yeah rebuild not sign big name free agents or not selling the farm system to get get uh big big names because there, the w- there was a deadline
0: there was a rumor going around i remember reading about it and it started to circulate more and more to start to become like i always thought that it was legit about the red wings getting the stamp coast mm-hmm. was there any truth to that rumor
1: yeah yeah it was about three or four years ago uh Stamkos and Iserman were butting heads and okay. uh, Iserman kind of grew a reputation with in Tampa Bay of, yeah, you might've been our best player, but you aren't worth what we're paying you. It's like a bel- He was kind of like a Belichick in the NHL where it's like, gotcha. your, your output does not equal the value of equally the dollar sign on your contract. So I'm going to yeah. get rid of you. And with Iserman and Stamkos, yeah, Stamkos was a top five player in the NHL but he wanted more money. He wanted, I mean, and Eisenman's like, look, you haven't taken us to the cup final. Why should I pay you more? Yeah. Like you, you only do so much. So, and yeah, with the Eisenman's connections with the Red Wings, it was like, well, yeah, we could trade Larkin who's in the farm system. We could try to trade our first round draft pick or whatever, Yeah, but it ended up kind of dissolving a little bit and we ended up not getting Stamkos, but you know, in the long run, uh, Stevie coming home is huge for us. He will bring a cutthroat mentality. Yeah. He's great at uh, finding talent and he will draft very well. I think we got the number six pick in the NHL draft this nice. spring. And, nice. you know, I'd say maybe not this coming year because we don't have defensemen and good third and fourth line guys. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's going to take a few years. Mm-hmm, definitely.
1: Yeah, but you know Ken Holland did a good job of acquiring talent acquiring draft picks and we do have a solid young core with uh double A Andres and I probably Yeah that's that that's run. one
0: name that cuz I don't watch a, a lot of hockey if if the Red Wings were in the playoffs or playoff hockey in general it's like playoff NBA basketball I mean obviously any playoff with professional sport but I mean specifically with hockey NHL and NBA I feel like regular seasons are a lot less exciting so when you get into that playoff Atmosphere, specifically hockey, where it's similar to soccer because I'm a gigantic soccer fan Mm -hmm. and hockey has that appeal to any soccer fan, I feel like, because each goal represents so much. Like one goal can change the entire facet of the game. Right. And that in a playoff atmosphere is a lot more attracting to someone like me, whereas like I'm a below your average NHL viewer with in terms of how much I watch the NHL. Right. But still, knowing that I feel like especially for team morale, when you talk about the Red Wings and fan morale with Detroit in general, having Mm -hmm. someone like Iserman who has their number retired already to come back and serve as the GM in such a prominent role that has such a power and control of the team and the team's decisions. And like pretty much, especially you look at the Lions with Bob Quinn, like they're in charge of how the team is like what direction they're going to in the future. So to have a guy – like that, who is so prominent within the franchise that he's going to be a GM for, which is awesome for the Red Wings. That's why I was pumped where mm-hmm. the Pistons were looking for a GM and they were talking about bringing in Chauncey Billups for an interview. Like I was like, hell yeah. I'd
1: like to see that too. Hopefully after uh, Milwaukee gets done shit pumping the Pistons, oh this God, uh, dude, this yeah. series will we'll, uh, realize that having a – quote-unquote special advisor to the owner yeah. is no longer sufficient for a GM anymore, and yeah. we go and give Mr. Big Shot a callback. But with yeah. the Red Wings, yeah, we got double-A. We got Dylan Larkin, who is from Michigan, went yeah. to University of Michigan, is already – he's probably going to be our captain next year.
0: Yeah, and like I was saying earlier, that I don't watch that much Red Wing hockey, but I know mm-hmm. that Dylan Larkin is dope right. and
1: shit. Right, and we got uh, another kid from uh, Michigan State. We signed him for the last, like – 15 games of the year. His name's Taro Hirose. I believe oh, no. his name is. Nice. He, and he was a finalist for Player of the Year at uh, Michigan State for uh, college hockey. So he's only like 150 pounds, but you give him a season or two of uh, uh, AHL, Triple uh, A hockey, and and eventually he should be. I mean, he had he had like eight straight games where he scored a point. So That's things sick. are looking. Up and up for the Red Wings. I'm very, very excited. This news today will just bring so much joy, not only to me and the hardhead hockey fans in the world, but Detroit as a whole, a familiar name, someone who's had success, someone who is referred to across all National Hockey League as the captain. Yeah. You know, we have... We have Gordy Howe, who's known as Mr. Hockey. Yeah. We have Nikola- Nicholas Lindstrom, who's known as the Perfect Human. But yeah. there's only one person <laughs> right. up there that has the C on their on their uh, jersey retired that's jersey. retired, and that's yeah. Steve Eisenman, the captain. And, yeah. You know, we don't have any uh, video right now, but I am wearing a Steve Eisenman jersey right now. So, Hell yeah! You know, gotta gotta celebrate the good news today.
0: Yeah, and it, and I figured it was a big deal because I mean, not only did I see everything. Detroit and Michigan related news, like tweeting about it and stuff today that I even saw that Reuters, which is like just a general news organization that reports on mainly like global news. Right. I saw an article they posted about like Steve Eiserman or Red Wing Steve Eisman right. as Steve Eiserman as the GM. Right. Which is sweet.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, people forget about it because of recency bias, but Steve Iserman was kind of like, uh, I mean, what's a NFL quarterback that. Took forever to win a Super Bowl. Was like think of like John Elway. Remember how John Elway won like or Drew, two
0: or Drew Brees too. Yeah, Drew Brees.
1: It took Drew Brees till two thousand eight or two thousand nine, whenever he won it. Yeah. to to get a Super Bowl. I mean, he was in the league for eleven years. I mean, yeah. Iserman went from nineteen. I think he got drafted in eighty three, and then he. And then he, I think he was in the league as an 18-year-old. It wasn't until 97. It took him 14 years as a professional hockey player to bring home a Stanley Cup. Yeah. I mean, people are like, is he ever going to win one? I mean, uh, modern-day hockey comparisons, uh, Ovechkin, Ovi. Yeah. Like he just won his first one last year, and you could see him now. I mean, he's gray all over the place. He yeah. still hasn't replaced his missing tooth because yeah. he's a goofy Russian. But Yeah. But, I mean, it, it is a it is a great, great, great day for the Detroit Red Wings. We should definitely be uh, excited for the future. Next five years, we should be definitely in the hunt for a Stanley Cup, if not hoisting Lord Stanley come uh, June.
0: Yeah, uh, nice. June, so. At June. At June. Nice. So you mentioned that uh, guy from the Red Wings who played for Michigan State. Speaking of Michigan State, you are from <laughs> – the Northern Michigan area, what made you decide to go to Michigan State?
1: So, uh, a background about me. Okay. I hail from Frankfurt, Michigan. Nice. Nice. Uh,
0: Beautiful place. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful place,
1: Frankfort, Michigan. I was born in uh, Pontiac, Michigan, which is suburban of Detroit. And I lived in Farmington Hills until I was like four years old, you know, doing the whole Gartland rabbit hole where he lived in Atlanta for two weeks (laughs) before he moved. Yeah. So my dad is from Frankfort as well. And he got an offer to come back home. And he's like, well, do I want to raise my kids in a big city or do I want to raise my kid in a small city? And yeah, were the opportunities, advantages, and disadvantages? So, uh, my dad decided, my parents, excuse me, they both decided yeah. that we should move to Frankfurt. And I've been in Frankfurt ever since. I graduated from Frankfurt High School, nice. class of 2012, 39 strong. Nice. And we were a public school.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, your school colors were purple and what purple and gold purple and gold purple Purple is awesome so any any school has main colors of purple i'm all in yeah
1: yeah and you know back in like 2010 or 11 we uh no 2008 we went from the pasty purple and yellow like puke yellow yeah to purple and vegas gold and oh nice that's better made us look a lot faster too yeah 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 and So I play, and so I went to Frankfurt High School. I played football for four years. I played basketball for four years. I ran oh, yeah. track for three years, and I golfed my senior year because why? Why run in circles when you can swing
0: a golf club? Exactly, right? dude. I would. I applaud that decision because of my hatred for track. Right. Yeah. Turning left sucks. Yeah. And, and just running, like just running as a pure sport. Because I was talking about it, um, with uh my brother Ian. Shout out the other day, we that track as a sport to me was just I disliked it so much because the act of just running and that's all you're focused on I can't really like I get I mean really the main reason why I dislike track so much is because of the nerves that I would get before races right and combined with the stomach issues I'll leave it at that when I had in high school that combined with the nerves that I would get before race was just absolute miserable so but playing basketball playing football playing soccer to be able to run and sprint and uh play long games and have to be able to focus on something else while you're running. Mm-hmm. Not only are you able to run a lot faster right? when, especially when let's say, I mean I played receiver in high school. And so if you throw like a long ball, like a go route or something, right. then if you're running underneath that ball, you're going to be faster and not even be thinking about how fast you're running because you're pursuing something else. Mm-hmm. So the appeal of track was just so low to me because I wanted to be doing something else, whether it was kicking a soccer ball around or chasing a football or playing basketball. It was just so much better for me to be able to do that. And especially with practices, because it's like practice for track, you just run. Right. Yeah. That's like all, that's all you do. Yeah.
1: Let's do speed work where you sprint for a lap, jog for half a lap, and then you're going to sprint another lap. it's like, you know, yeah, track, you know, I'm not the most coordinated person in the world. and. and track help definitely helped me stay in shape. It helped me work on my footwork. It helped. It was more as a a conditioner, like a good off season for football and basketball, which are my one a one B sports growing up. So track did help me. But by the time I was a senior, I was like, I'm not playing football or basketball anymore. Yeah. I want to do stuff with my friends. So screwed turning left anymore. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go swing a stick
0: for 18 holes. Golf is dope. And plus, especially to play it like, and to be good enough to be able to play it on a competitive level and compete would be so much fun.
1: Right. Yeah. So speaking of yips yes. and, that you got and the nerves that you got Yeah. and uh, uh, relating this to the sports I grew up in, uh, my two, I don't want to say accomplishments because they're very, very embarrassing. My two greatest or most notable moments in sports were my junior year in basketball and my senior year playing golf. So my junior year, we're in district finals. Okay. And we're down to a, uh, the opposing team 10 seconds left. Opposing team shooting one and one. They missed the first free throw. I rebound it. Their player fouls me trying to get the rebound. Yeah. I go and and so, you know, we're in the bonus. I'm shooting one and one going to uh, shooting one and one down to 10 seconds left in the game for our first district title in like 10, 11 years. Like it's, it's been a long time. Frankfurt basketball is a lot better now, but at the time my junior year we were not good and we weren't supposed to be there. The opposing coach calls a timeout everyone's like hyping me up. Hey, you got this. You got this. No problem. I'm just like, yeah.
0: please leave me alone. Make it or we're going to yeah. hate you. No big deal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, you make this, we, we go in overtime. You miss this. You're like, everyone's going to hate you. We're like yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no big pressure. deal.
0: No pressure.
1: Yeah. I go up <laughs> there. I, I, uh, my legs were jello yeah. and you know, I take my three dribbles, spin the ball in my hand and I, I let it go. And you know, between the free throw line and the basket is 15 feet. Uh, the ball probably went 12 feet. Oh. Completely airballed it. <laughs> one on one, down to most like stadium packed. Just most <laughs> just like soul crushing moment of my life. We yeah. lose the game. I'm just
0: destroyed.
1: And it was it was it was brutal.
0: Brutal. 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 But. but- yeah. But fun to look back on. Oh, now. yeah.
1: It's it's very funny to yeah. laugh at now. But at <laughs> the time, as a 16-year-old, I was mortified. Yeah, I would be too. And then my senior year in golf, uh, I wasn't great at golf. I didn't pick up a golf club till my senior year because I wanted to play with my friends. And, you know, I eventually got good enough where I was our fifth best golfer. Yeah. And in Michigan high school golf, you're you can bring five golfers in the playoffs and only yeah. your top four scores count. So, but our top four golfers were significantly better than me. They could yeah. not rely on me to save their life. We go to state. We made it to state finals. Somehow our yeah. team was very good. We show up to the Michigan state golf course. And where was that at? Uh, the Michigan state, MSU. Oh, yeah, on, the Michigan state Forest I mean? Acres West course. It was the nice one that they put a lot of maintenance and not the shitty one that, that the students get to
2: play on. Gotcha.
1: So we play back to back A. student discount days. course. Yeah, the student discount course. <laughs> and uh I shot my first day and I shot my second day and what were your scores? 120, 119. Okay. Yeah. Very I shot an average of like fifty fifty nine sixty. Gotcha. It was not great. Not my best outing.
0: So what is that how does that compare to like just high school in general? What's like the average score that you would see in a high school tournament?
1: Uh, I'd say, I'd say our an average,
0: the average
1: guess, in the playoffs I mean. would be around 85 to 95 would be like okay. it, the average number three golfer on a team. Okay. And how
0: many golfers are on a team? Uh,
1: the, there are five golfers that, uh, go, there's six most tournaments, but five in the playoffs okay. and top four scores count. So, gotcha. uh, you know, you know, yeah, it's whatever. I'm just happy to be there. And yeah. like a, a week later, I go and check the Michigan High School Athletic Association website and I click on combined scores for, you know, uh, Michigan state finals history. Yeah. And you click the first button and it's short and it lists the lowest score. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, not near that. I'm like, I wonder where I rank
0: in... Lowest score is in... The best. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, if you know anything about golf, the lowest score is obviously the best one.
1: So then I click it again, and my 119-120 finish was first. I was the worst golfer in Division (laughs) 4... state finals
0: history. So is this the same year as the air ball? No, it's the year after. Okay. The okay, year that's...
1: after I got the yips out after. Yeah. Okay. That's good then.
0: Yeah. At least it wasn't in the same year. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause yeah, that at least been... I didn't get punched in the face twice. Yeah. because yeah. well, golf would have been in the spring. So that would have been back to back season. So at yeah. least you didn't have that. Yeah. I would have,
1: <laughs> I would have needed a lot of therapy, <laughs> <laughs> but so I, so after graduate, so after all that happened, I went to Michigan state, um, uh, in the fall and you know, it was a big culture shock from going from 39 to 47,000. Yeah. But I grew up a Michigan state fam. My whole family went to Michigan state. So nice. it was kind of, it was kind we, of in my blood. Yeah. To you had be, green, you had green and white blood. Yeah. Yeah. So we go, I go to Michigan state, uh, made a lot of great friends. I played rugby for three years at Michigan state, which was oh, nice. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, something. did you like
0: that more than football?
1: I think it did. I really, I think the actual sport itself was a lot more fun because it was always moving and you know, yet with start and stop in football, you know, the coaches
0: tell you the average play lasts five seconds. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about soccer now is that it's just constantly moving.
1: Right. For those of you who don't know rugby, imagine the combination of football, soccer, and basketball all thrown into one. Yeah. And and so I played with that no for, pads. Yeah, no pads. No, no pads. pads. You don't even get to wear a jock strap because yeah. you'd be considered a wuss if you <laughs> if you wore a jock strap. Fair enough. So That uh, sounds like rugby. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, with football, it's all about acceleration and contact and, and hitting someone like a missile. Yeah. With rugby, you know, it's not as much of a game of inches as it is with football. You can you can tackle a guy and fall backward and
0: still be fine. And that's one of the reasons why they say that less head or less injuries in general, but more specifically head injuries happen less head injuries happen in rugby than they do football. Right. And cuz they don't use their head as a weapon when they don't have a weapon on top of their head. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And it's more form based like trying to sweep the legs and yeah. fall to the side or fall backwards. With rugby it's like Hit someone as hard as you can between the between the tits and and thrust upward and make sure they fall backwards and you fall forward. Yeah. You know, force equals mass times acceleration, that whole jazz that you've been taught. But with rugby, you know, it's a lot safer sport. It was so unique with the passing. You can't throw it forward. You always have to pass it backwards. There'd be people kicking it back and forth at random parts of the game. And, you know, wherever you score, whatever like uh, angle you scored at yeah. the, the person who kicked the extra point afterwards would have to go from that angle, 22 meters back and you'd have to kick like a weird chip shot at times. So gotcha. how so, many you know,
0: players are on the field at
1: one time? There are 15 players at, uh, at a time. And there are,
0: on each so 15 on each team. Yeah. 15 okay. on each team. There
1: are eight forwards, which, you know, put it in football terms. It's like eight combinations of linemen and tight ends yeah and then there's seven backs and uh those guys are considered the short quick athletic kids yeah the guys that can pass the best that are quick on their feet who can kick the best okay uh I couldn't kick but I could pass and I could break tackles pretty well so I was a back I wasn't nearly meaty enough to be in the front
0: eight but because you see some of those rugby guys and they are just their thighs are gigantic, yeah, their thighs and casts and shoulders. Yeah. They, tree trunks. <laughs>
1: yeah, they are complete tree trunks. And yeah. it's like, imagine like Gronkowski, a guy who's six foot five, 255, 260 pounds and runs a four forty. five 40. That's yeah. what a prototypical rugby player is. It was, it was scary, but yeah. also at the same time, it's like after you get hit a couple of times, you know, it was fine.
2: Yeah.
0: Plus in the heat of the game, you just get used to it at right. that point. So I played that for three years and it was
1: a lot of fun, but I had commitments with school and other organizations. So I stepped away from rugby Gotcha. and, uh, I studied finance. Uh, I got an internship at an accounting firm. I did that internship, got a full-time offer. Nice. And then I returned full-time in 2017, but I had to take, uh, I had to take 150 credits instead of the normal 120 to graduate, to become a CPA, a certified public accountant, okay. to, you know, Yeah. so what, you know, to sign tax returns, basically you have yeah. to have that. <laughs> yeah. And so my fifth year I stayed at Michigan state. And I knew a guy from a student org I was living uh, that I was in, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to live with me and a couple of TC guys next year?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. Like, why not? They can't be too bad." Yeah. And they they weren't too bad. Up, they, <laughs> yeah, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they didn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> but I ended up living with our good friend Tom Hazelwood.
0: Hell yeah! Shout out Tom. Real uh, talk with Tom and Joey, formerly oh, R.I.P. R.I.P.
1: R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. to TJ e. Big yeah. fan. Uh, lived with our good friend Connor McGraw.
0: Connor McGraw, yes.
1: And our he's uh, in Boston right now. He is in Boston. Shout and, out, yeah. Shout out McGraw. I lived with uh, Cole McCardle, who grew up in TC as well. Nice. And I lived with Trent, who also who grew up up here, but he went to Charlevoix. Okay. Uh, and then last and certainly least, I lived with Connor Gartland. Yes. And, And then Connor had a job down in Detroit as well. So after our fifth year, we lived together in uh, suburban Detroit. So throughout that fifth year, you, Joey Prokes, came along and uh, we became very, very good friends. Oh, yes. We talked Many, many times about sports and politics and life. And, you know, I will go to my grave telling everyone that will listen I have never, ever, ever had a bad conversation with Joey Prokes.
0: Oh, yeah. I take pride in that. And that's mainly one of the reasons why I enjoy this podcast so much. And especially this one. I mean, we're having a great episode so far. Right. But it's just, I knew that as soon as I was organizing this podcast and getting it together and bringing it together and, knowing that I wanted to revolve it around having a variety of guests and having a bunch of people on that I knew that I was going to hit you up immediately just to find out when can you get your get here and whenever you can we got to record a podcast
1: yep I'm uh, so luckily enough I'm taking a week off of work coming up here it is turkey season turkey hunting season in Michigan and I consider myself a turkey hunting savant and nice. in the four years i've been turkey hunting i have shot at four birds i have made contact with four birds really and i have killed three of them okay and the only one that didn't die i did not shoot it in the face as it, <laughs> as you're supposed to do i shot it and did the you shoot ships. the other three in the fight in the face oh, yep i <laughs> shot them
0: all three in the face and they there all dropped
1: go. dead on the spot there yeah you go. i'm an assassin when it comes to
0: well if I and mean, if you're gonna do it at least at least it's quick you know? yeah oh yeah they're yeah. not getting eaten alive. No, like no. the majority yeah, of other animals, they that aren't. <laughs> they aren't suffering.
1: Let's yeah. leave it at that. I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm a, I'm a kind
0: hunter. You know, I, I, care. And I presume that you, and obviously you consume everything that you hunt.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes.
0: Yep. Hundred percent.
1: And uh, the only turkey I did not kill, I aimed in the chest. And okay. for those of you who aren't familiar with turkeys and the whole the anatomy uh, of a turkey, gen- yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The what? What's that word? Anatomy, anatomy, yeah, yes. <laughs> Words are hard for me. <laughs> and the anatomy of a turkey is uh, their fur coats, where their you know where our chests are for a human. It is like a metal coat of armor. Okay, they, they're they have such thick layers of feathers that they can that it like I shot a turkey point blank 25, 30 yards away in the chest, and it somersaulted and flew away before. Uh, my hunting partner was able to go. And, and, you know, one of the humane ways to kill a turkey is if it's not dead right away, you run up and snap its
0: neck. Okay. That's, that's, that's quick. So wait, was it bleeding at all? Mm, there was some blood. Okay. And you know, it was you gonna blew- say, if you didn't pierce it all, that is a thick coat. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There was a little bit of blood, but not enough to be confident that it was going to drop out drop. of the tree where yeah. it flew away. Gotcha. So, you know, I'm up here, uh, getting ready for Turkey hunting next week. And so I was like, Joey, whenever, uh, whenever, if you can fit me in this, I know you're a busy man. If you can fit me in yeah. uh, this weekend before I go turkey hunting, I'd love to come on and chat with you. So, oh yeah, that is uh, the long version of my
0: short story. There you go. And one of the main reasons why this timing specifically is so great with this podcast episode is because it was after the long-awaited season premiere oh of the wonderful show that is the Game of Thrones. And episode one of season eight, the final season, which consists of six episodes, which are all going to be longer from now on, thank God. Thank goodness. Because you're going to make us wait two years and then give us a 53-minute-long ep- yeah, episode.
1: You, you bet your sweet ass you better give us an hour-long episode, more than an hour-long episode. Well, and plus,
0: aren't the last three all over like an hour and 15, I think? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think, after, I, think that I saw
1: the first two episodes were like... 53 to like 58 minutes and then episode three the battle of winterfell episode is gonna be like 80 something minutes and then the rest are gonna be like 80 minutes plus they added 22 minutes to episode three so gotcha very very excited
0: and and i mean which what they did with i mean so okay before we get into this (laughs) we're gonna preface this with because game of thrones is game of thrones if you're a fan obviously if you're a true fan you would have watched it Probably multiple times by right. now, but we will preface this with heavy, heavy spoilers because we're going to be talking about literally every single detail within the entire episode. So spoilers,
1: you, adult content, like, yeah. eh, like turn this podcast off if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen the first episode of uh, of season eight. Like, yeah, turn us off because we're going to be ruining everything. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. There's every little detail within this episode that we we're going to go over. In fact. I have decided that because for our listeners, because obviously we don't have a a video feed for this podcast, um, I am holding... What is this? Is this five pages? One. Five pages. Wow, it ended up being five. Five pages of notes regarding episode one of Game of Thrones season eight. So because of all the hard work that... Because this is all Adam's work. (laughs) So because of all the hard work that he has done with this, I'm going to let you... Lead this review and lead this recap and I will be the color commentator of this. (laughs) So you can uh
1: you you are my Tony Romo to my gym next. Yeah, exactly.
0: uh, So (laughs) so this is gonna be filled with recaps, reviews, and probably obviously a bunch of theories and just general Game of Thrones conversation. So if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, uh this is gonna be fun.
1: Right. So you know, as all of us crazy Game of Thrones people when they have that first HBO like static TV, oh, yeah. we're like, okay, okay. And then the game of Thrones music comes on goosebumps. Like, er, er, like
0: I saw, ba- I saw Barstool posted that, that meme of like, I think it was originally, that video was originally from like a soccer game or something right? where it's just a bunch of people in the bar and they're like super quiet and anticipate. And then like two seconds later, they just all go nuts Dun, and na, they, na, na, na. it's like, yeah, let's go. Like, yeah.
1: been waiting two years. To hear that music Literally two years. Right. And so, you know, it starts right from the get-go. There's no cold open or anything. They start right with the opening credits. And, you know, all of us nerd Game of Thrones guys, we see the opening credits. You know, it's that Astro-Op thing that you see in the Citadel. And they have, like, it's kind of like the history of Westeros so far and whatever, whatever.
0: And And it changed dramatically.
1: It changed dramatically from the first set seven seasons to season eight. So we start off uh, the part, the first part of the Astrolabe is uh, the ice dragon Viserion and the night king on top of Viserion burning a hole through the wall with the army of the dead walking through uh, Eastwatch or whatever, wherever they were where they burned through the hole through the wall. So it's like, all right, like this is important or this is a monumental moment. Sweet. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, next thing you know, they start rolling the tiles of ice. You know, winter is coming. And they go to Last Hearth, I think it might be the area. Yeah, it's like the cool.
0: first town that they encounter. Right,
1: right. So, maybe that ha- plays a role into it. I don't know. Like, I haven't, you know, I read was, the books, but it's Was not. that
0: the place that they ran into the kid that was on the wall with no, the sign from that's the Night No, the King? Umber
1: House. That was the Umber House. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. More on that later. <laughs> okay. So... And then they roll from Last Hearth to Winterfell. And, you know, it's always nice seeing uh the the direwolf of the Starks on top of the main dome of Winterfell. Good seeing yeah. that. said the flayed man of uh
0: the Boltons. The Boltons. One of the cool things I thought about with this intro is that because I didn't Tom Hazelwood will crucify me for this every time I say it, but I would have the typical like Netflix skip intro tendency with Game of Thrones where right. I would rewatch episodes because, it's like, or not necessarily rewatch episodes, but when new episodes would come out, I would just like want to get to actual Game of Thrones so bad. Right. And the intros necessarily wouldn't change a whole lot up until this point. Mm-hmm. But I, what I thought was interesting with this intro was that they actually, at least I thought for the first time that I remember seeing, maybe it's been two years, so it's been so long, but they actually went inside buildings. Right. Because they've yeah. never done that before,
2: right? Right.
1: Yeah. So, like, the. Opening credits of when they show the map of Westeros, or you know, and Essos, and whatever. But they always kind of say they always kind of like lay the story of so far and yeah. what kind of what's happening. Like when the Bolton, like after the Red Wedding, they had Winterfell burning, and in the opening credits, and then the season opener next year, they had the flayed man of the Boltons be yeah. raised. It. So it kind of just explains the story so far without giving too much away Mm -hmm. so you know we roll into winterfell they it instead of just giving a general overview they show them like they're building bricks and defenses and whatnot so they're getting ready for a big battle yeah they they go into the dining hall where i'm sure a lot of a lot of stuff is going to happen with you know you know, so that's Leona where they hold the meetings, with yeah. Sansa like Lyanna and... Mormont calling out Jon Snow, and yeah. you know, looking at the you know preview of Episode twos where Jamie's gonna get crucified and whatever. Yeah. So a lot of shit's gonna go down in that dining hall, and then we go into the crypts of Winterfell. Yeah. And if you are, if you go down Reddit rabbit holes and whatever about the crypts of Winterfell, like something's gonna happen there. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it, are dead Starks gonna come to life when? That's what like, everybody's white, talking yeah. about. Like, or are we going to see some legitimacy of, of Lyanna and Rhaegar's love for each other? Like a big thing was Rhaegar's harp, Rhaegar Targaryen's harp. Maybe that was buried with Liana Stark and maybe like, maybe that could be something that, that uh, proves instead of brand playing fortune teller yeah. saying, Hey, like, no, these, no, John's not a bastard or whatever.
0: Yeah. That's a, a side note the the greatest thing that I think came from this episode was all the brand memes. Oh, that, that was the came... best part
1: of episode one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The brand memes, the Cersei memes, everything about the yeah, memes. Yeah, Cer- that...
0: Cersei with the elephants. Uh, we'll
1: talk about the elephants in a little
0: bit. Those memes are a great example of how sometimes the internet can be the greatest thing on earth.
1: The the internet (laughs) had two years waiting for game of Thrones memes and you know what they delivered. And it's it's so funny
0: that like all it takes is like a little part of a scene of game of Thrones and people just create it into, I mean, Brand staring at people
1: three times, f- not once, not twice, but three times. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go into detail about each yeah. one. But
0: and then Cersei talked about the elephants like on two separate occasions. But it's like, all right, if you do it more than once, then it's going to be an emphasis of the show, and we're yeah. going to make a meme about it. Yeah,
1: like g- don't talk about it if you're not going to have elephants this season. Yeah, but they're talking about elephants, saying they're not coming, but the elephants are coming. I
0: know, like when he said that initially in the episode, I was like, wait, what? Like. That's just going to be, like, a bad news... It was almost like they cut it out of the budget, and it's like, that's the line they put into, this, into right. the show. Oh, so, we so, can have... Sorry, we don't have any
1: Yeah, elephants. we so we have the ability to do dragons, dire wolves, and elephants. You get two out of three. Yeah. And it's like, well, we haven't seen ghosts since... Episode three of season six. Like, yeah, where, where's where's my boy?
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I can't I can't wait to see what they do with the dire wolves this season because they're they're gonna happen. Especially yeah, it, with, it's got yeah. Especially with how the situation that they had with Nymeria in last season with Arya. Right.
1: Yeah. That it's, was like a big shot. That was like a big homage to the fans. Like no, Nymer, Nymer, and like in the books. Like you hear like whispers and sh- stuff at like pubs saying like yeah, there's a big dire wolf leaving leading another pack of wolves in the forest and stuff. But. Yeah. You never get that reuniting thing in the books of of Arya and Nymeria, so it is. Not, it is. I really, really hope Ghost plays a big, big role in season eight.
0: They got to give him like dragon glass, like tooth like, fangs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and,
1: and dragon glass claws. And, yeah, that would and be just so badass. Yeah, I'd love. I'd love to see that. I just. I don't want it to be like uh, the Watchers on the Wall episode where. Where John's just like, just out of the blue is like, Sam, I need him more than I need you now. Yeah, and and then then Ghost gets bled out of his cage or whatever. I need, I need, I need John and Ghost next to each other all the time, every time.
0: And you, and you got to think that if, well, I mean, if they come back. Unexpectedly and as a surprise, they won't have any like Dragon Glass or Valerian Steel. But you gotta think that if they come back in time to prepare for a battle, right? Like they're gonna try and do something with them because they know it's the only way they can do anything.
1: Right. And he's literally a weapon. Yeah. He is literally a weapon. If you I mean if you're a books nerd or if you just watched the episodes, Grey Wind, Rob Starks, R.I.P. Yeah, uh, direwolf, he won a lot of battles for Rob. Like, yeah, Greywind um, Grey Wind was not only was he this absolute savage of a weapon. Yeah. Grey Wind, like he was this intimidating figure. Like the Lannister army feared Grey Wind. They were yeah. afraid that they were going to get the throats ripped out by yeah. this thing. So dire, this direwolves will should play a major, major role in this season. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm yeah. way pumped about that. Yeah. So we get done with Winterfell Astrolab part two. The next thing on the Astrolab, it's a uh, recount of the red wedding. So we got a Lannister lion looking very pleased at uh, on the left, and then the middle is a headless wolf. And then at uh, my second or third rewatch, I saw like the background of the headless wolf. It is the twin spires of House Frey.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, and
1: then God, on, how detailed
0: it is so dope. Yeah,
1: yeah, and on the right is a flayed human holding holding a headless uh, 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 the the wolf head. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's showing, you know, when Rob Stark got beheaded and they stuck Graywin's head on top of it, like cool homage to the, the red wedding. Yeah. You know, one of the saddest episodes, like I feel gut like wrenching.
0: Yeah. I feel like definitely the red wedding when it comes to like, if you were going to give an elevator pitch of what Game of Thrones, what makes Game of Thrones Game of Thrones, and you had time to like, and the person that you were explaining to kind of knew, right a sense of what, like how meaningful the characters were. Right. To just drop that on them. I mean, Ned Stark maybe getting his head cut off was probably mm-hmm. like the first one is like, holy shit, I thought this was like the main character of the entire show. Yeah. And he gets his head cut off in season one. It's like, okay, this shit is for real. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Ned's, beheading and the red wedding are I feel like the two staple moments of the show yeah the show.
1: it's like this this ain't no fairy tale ladies and gentlemen like, yeah like um I will I'll, I'll drop the quote later but there's something Ramsey said that kind of summarizes this whole show for me
0: yeah and well random question what do you think what was the most shocking that you've ever been like when you first watched episode throughout this whole show mine was the Viper when the mountain destroyed his face. Oh, that's number I was, two, too. Yeah, because when when he was running around, I was like, "Holy shit, he's actually gonna beat the mountain and Tyrion's gonna get down." I totally thought that that was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as he, as soon as he like tripped him and then he punched him and they showed like his teeth flying everywhere, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, he's gonna lose." Yeah, and that was the most shot I've ever been. I uh, like. Obermartel,
1: first off, is the greatest one season one book character of all time. Just an absolute badass. Yeah, and the uh, I can't remember the actor's name that played him, but he's in Narcos. Yeah, Narcos. He's in a ton of shit. He's now. in a ton of shit. He did a phenomenal job playing him like you fall in love with him. You never really kn- like you knew in the back of your mind that he wants to end up killing Tywin in the mountain like yeah. in the back of his mind, but he never really saw the opportunity to do it.
0: Yeah. And meanwhile, but, he's just chilling in King's Landing. Yeah.
1: He's just doing what the hell, hell he wants. He's banging dudes, banging chicks, like yeah. drinking wine, talking shit to whoever is listening. Like yeah. he was an unbelievable, awesome character. And we saw him in the, the Viper versus the mountain episode. Yeah. That, you know, he was a very, very skilled fighter and yeah. he knew all about his poisons and whatever. He lived up to the legend that the show and the books built, built him up to be. So yeah. that was number two on my like WTF moments. Okay. So was number when one? I first, when I first started watching game of Thrones, I knew Ned Stark died. I knew from friends who watched the show before me, they let me know. Like
0: I had I had heard rumblings of the red wedding, like hearing that it was something absolutely bad shit, crazy, Not necessarily knowing what it was about, but I knew of The Red Wedding before I actually saw it. And shout out to my middle brother, Ian, but not a good shout out because when I was getting started with the show, I don't know whether he was just a dumbass in this one moment and ruined this particular scene for me or Mm. he didn't realize I was watching the show, but we make jokes about it all the time. But he was like, oh dude, it was really crazy. Oh no, because he mentioned that it wasn't it crazy so he knew I was watching the show he's like wasn't it crazy when uh Tyrion shot his dad on the toilet and I was like what
2: <laughs> you did son of a bitch yeah
0: Tyrion did what and it's like that's not as big as like let's say if someone ruined the red wedding for you but right Tywin is a gigantic character right
1: he was my favorite bad guy
0: yeah and it's like that's a huge character as a part of like the second probably biggest family in the show so it was it was a big deal and a big spoiler but we always make jokes about it now but yeah
1: so i have a two-way tie actually for my so the first one was the red wedding okay uh you know after ned stark died i was like you know i kind of knew that was coming and Mm. they kind of built up to him being he's gonna die being noble and whatever like he's gonna like I knew that was gonna happen. Yeah, but you know I was able to trust again. I was able to believe again. Yeah. Fell in love with Rob Stark.
2: Yeah, super know, badass. Yeah,
1: super badass. Did all the right things until he banged the.
0: So he locked the, eyes with that uh, the Valantis girl, the Valentian like yeah. nurse lady. Yeah. when she was healing people in the battlefield, mm-hmm.
1: and you know it, you know he got sidetracked. Like she was telling like. You know, what, what, what is this, what's war for, you know? And then he's he. He's love drunk. Yeah. And then she, then they got pregnant and, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I said I was going to marry a Frey person, but you know, I'm going to have my uncle over here. He's going to, yeah. he's going to marry a Frey girl.
0: Completely meaningless dude over here. He's going to. Yeah. Gonna, even yeah, though, cause you the know, whole point of that was to marry a Stark. You know, you know, the
1: Tully family is a, makes jokes of the Frey family for yeah. the past 500 years, but. You know we're gonna we're gonna bond these two houses and everything's gonna be all right. Yeah, <laughs> and so that that you know Rob Stark getting shot a billion times and yeah. and and that was brutal. I didn't really care about Cat dying. I I wanted her to be gone really? yesterday. <laughs> you know, still waiting for Lady Stoneheart in the books, where she she's the Barrack Donderium, where the the Bannerhood without banners brings her back to life, and she's just on a
0: well, there was, tour. yeah, there was that one theory that there was a, maybe a sighting of her in that scene where arya and brienne were fighting cuz mm-hmm. so i remember looking back at it and seeing something on social media about it and i saw the clip of the scene again and when arya and brienne are fighting you see a hooded woman walk by in the background past the entrance and it's like okay if you're going to if you're going to claim that somehow she's in the show right now that's a pretty decent scene cuz i mean a random like cuz most of the people in game of thrones are exposed and like right. they're just like general People in the village, or workers, or whatever. When you have the main characters doing whatever they're doing, and people in the background, but right. a hooded woman walking with a cape like that—it was, it was pretty. It's pretty interesting. Well, you know, and plus that, the location, Winterfell, so it makes sense if she was there,
1: right? But you know, I understand for the purposes of the show and timing and whatever, whatever. We got you got X amount of time.
0: I feel like last season that would be a big storyline to just kind of toss in there,
1: right? And you know, I think season seven, like you know, we jet or season six or season seven was the first time we've heard the Brotherhood Without Banners in like two to three seasons. I was like, all right, we're, we're throwing these guys back in.
0: Well, all plus, right, let's yeah, go. And plus John's uncle coming back and saving his ass. Cold it's hands, like yeah. Yeah, so he comes back, saves him, and then dies like within... Like a five to 10 minute scene, and we haven't seen this dude since fucking season one. Well, he did say Brandon
1: and uh, Mira Reed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. that. It was really weird for them to like bring him back in season. I mean, again, I'm not complaining. Oh, I'm no. not complaining.
0: It's still all wonderful Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's still wonderful. It yeah. just makes my
1: heart warm. But. Oh, yeah but you know it was a little weird where they just have him in for a little bit saves yeah. saves brandon mira such from, a gigantic character right right this is the this is the youngest stark yeah this is the youngest brother of a very very proud family two of them died by were killed by kings yeah. like this guy should be the lord of winterfell but you know he uh, he revoked his titles to go be a, a watcher on the wall. And then he goes out on a ranger mission, never comes back. He was like John's idol. And yeah. And then he's just gone. And they used, they used him as an excuse to bring John out of the, the Lord commander's chambers and yeah. killed him. And, and so, you know, it was, it was a little weird bringing him back. And, you know, it, it was cool that they hinted at it with Bran and Mira saying, Hey, like, uh, yeah, my job's not done. I'll keep fighting for the living, even though I'm not completely living. My yeah. job's not done yet, and and you know his watch has ended. Yeah, when uh, he when John should have died 500 times and Tormund should have died 500 times, and yeah. Viserion died, and
0: I guess and- I guess now that you mention it, it would probably be a tie with the Viper getting smashed in and John dying because mm-hmm. I didn't know. I remember because I watched that episode with Tom and he had already watched it, and he was watching it, waiting for my reaction to when that happened, Mm -hmm. I had to say that's probably tied for first. So that and the boover. John dying was Mm -hmm. pretty shocking. Because I didn't know that, like... I mean, I guess... Because nothing past that moment was in the books, right? Because that's, like, the next book. So
1: John died was one of the last moments of the last book. Last book, okay.
0: So no one really knew what happened after that, but after I kind of process the whole information it was like okay they're gonna bring him back somehow
1: right yeah i mean they i mean you know as much as they built up uh rob and as much as they built up joffrey and as much as they built up all of these characters that ended up dying yeah they never quite gave they never gave as much screen time and as much uh as much writing in the books as Jon snow yeah like they put so much effort into Jon Snow as this character, building him up for all he is and all he isn't. And well, the Song I, of
0: Ice and Fire. I mean, he's the song. Yeah, he some is people the song. argue that it's Daenerys and John, but now that we're starting to figure out that he's actually Targaryen and a Stark, it's like maybe the Song of Ice and Fire is just about him. Is,
1: yeah, is John, and and you know when he died, I was like there's no way they can completely cut him out and you know for a whole entire year we're waiting we're seeing what kit harrington is doing like what's what's going on what's going on and no one leaked anything like credit to hbo and the game of thrones people they haven't let anything leak
0: well they recorded like what like four or five endings Mm -hmm. because they don't want stuff to leak right which is so smart and they only because i remember a bunch of the actors and extras were coming out and saying that they only got like specific parts of the script when they were doing previews, like when they were sending it out and stuff Mm -hmm. so they didn't or they either couldn't connect pieces or like i think i remember listening to one interview where an actor said that they had i think it was jamie lannister's uh Mm-hmm. character. I forget. It's like Nikolai something, something. Or something. something, something. Yeah. yeah. And he was talking about how he had something online where they had a specific password and then they had a two-factor authentication to log mm-hmm. in to only see his script. So it's like they had that shit on lockdown. Right. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. Especially Kit, with the last yeah, season.
1: Kit, yeah. Kit Harington who played Jon Snow uh, when he was on, I think he was on Stephen Colbert and f- first off like why do any of these late night talk show hosts, why are they, I mean, I get that Game of Thrones is huge or whatever. Yeah. Why are they interviewing the cast? They can't say anything. Yeah. They can't even give you a fake answer because that narrows down the possibilities. Like, Oh, we can rule this out. And then maybe, but, but since he said this and maybe it could actually lead to this or whatever, you know, this fake answer is actually a half truth. And
0: whether it's a yes or no, it could lead to some sort of speculation right. or assumption.
1: Right. And so Kit Harington, uh, he was talking about when he died, he heard rumors talking about, you know, uh, you know, uh, the week before we release a script to the cast and whatever that, you know, the, the, the producers who talk about, you know, explaining the episode, I forgot their name, DB wise. And, yeah. and I forget the, that's yeah. the only guy I know. They would like call them and say, Hey, you know, so uh thank you so much for playing this character and whatever whatever but you know so this is this is where you're gonna die and this yeah. is where things are done well sorry thank you so much whatever whatever and he's like you know when it got to episode 10 and when I read for the first time that I was gonna die I was so shocked because I didn't read it beforehand and yeah and DB and the, whatever his name was, they were so, they were like looking for my reaction for the whole thing and they're like, perfect. And he's like, but I never got that call. Yeah. I never got told that I was coming back until it was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, by the way, uh, season six, where uh, yeah, yeah, you're going to be coming and whatever, yeah. whatever. And so, uh, I, I, you know, looping this all back, the only uh, other thing that uh, shocked me the most was when uh winds of winter season six episode 10 when cersei blew up everything oh uh, the that was septum yeah that yeah. was the most shocking thing yeah in the world to me i was like these are so many storylines that you're just Poof. wiping off the face of the earth disintegrate yeah maester pycelle the the high, high Septon. Spa- the high sparrow. Yeah, high sparrow. Yeah, yeah. High Marjorie Tyrell. Oh my god. The entire Tyrell family. The ho- whole entire Tyrell family, except for Olenna. It, yeah, except, except for Olenna. Olenna. Um the the Knight of Flowers, um uh the the head of the house Tyrell, Marjorie, yeah. like all these and, and Kevin Lannister, her own uncle. And uh, her cousin, Lancel, Lannister, she just blew them all up. All these storylines that, you know, Game of Thrones was just spreading their roots with all these storylines, all these things that could happen. And Cersei just took an axe to half of it. I was like, I was just, I was just dumbfounded. And, and, you know, the accumulation of that and add on top of it. Tomlin just jumps out the window. Tomlin's just going free falling, Tom Petty style.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And... Oh my god, that was just my. That was just I. I was like, I need a break.
0: Yeah, because especially because they happened just like stacked on top of each other. So I couldn't agree more with you. Like when I first watched that, it was like, holy shit! All those people just disintegrated, and that just happened. And then they just cut to Tom, and I'm like, and he just jumps out the window like the king just jumped out the window. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. And and, and on top of that, the whole entire episode was fantastic. with with uh the the feast between the Lannisters and the Freys and yeah. and Jamie calling out uh all uh, Argus Filch character with uh, a Walder Frey yeah and and then Arya slitting his throat and yeah. finding out that John is uh, uh, you know, what's R R plus L equals J yeah uh that storyline was true like so much shit happened in that episode that was so good and we just started off with Cersei blowing everything up yeah. like fuck this shit I'm, Pressing the nuke button. Yeah. So those were my two biggest like shocking moments. After the red wedding, I I needed to
0: take a breath. Like that yeah. it was, it was it was brutal. Those are two worthy moments yeah. for sure. So
2: yeah, and it
0: going we get, back. We might we might have to fast track a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll we're get, gonna be fast tracking.
1: We'll get through anything. Yeah. Everything. So that was the Astrolab part two. Then we go to King's Landing. We. Do a deep dive in the Red Keep. We see the crossbow pointed at the dragon skull, so maybe some foreshadowing, whatever, whatever. I think that's
0: absolute foreshadowing. Yeah.
1: And we see the—and then it ends with the—in the Great Hall with the throne. That's something we've never seen in the opening credits before. And then uh, we finally get the last part of the Lab. It's four dragons— Uh, one being much bigger than the other one. So that's Viserion, Drogon and Rhaegal with the biggest dragon being Danny. And there's a comet, there's a host of uh, horses, which, you know, it's the, the uh, stallion that will mount the world. It's like Danny's, it was, it's kind of like recapping Danny's birth of her dragons, the comet and
2: everything. Yeah.
1: So that's the opening credits. (laughs) So we enter scene one, we have, uh, We have a kid running through Winterfell, uh, bobbing and weaving through shit. Next thing you know, you see this person with a sword uh, go sideways to let the kid through. And that person with the sword is Arya. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about the first ever episode, you think of Bran climbing all the buildings, trying to see Robert Baratheon's army coming to Winterfell. And you see... And you remember Arya with her little Winterfell the helmet getting yeah. on top of a freaking wagon to see the army, and you know it's very similar except of uh, the Baratheon army, it's the Unsullied, and yeah. it's the it's uh, they are so gigantic, yeah, just three rows yeah. of people just ultimate over the hills flex. and everything, ultimate flax. Oh it's, yeah, and then we cut to Danny and John on horses. Arya like initially looks very happy to see John. Then she's like, "WTF? Who this who
0: bitch?" Like, yeah, I just thought that whole scene was hilarious because it was like a, it was like a, like a, reminisce down memory road for Arya because she was seeing like people was like, "Oh happy, oh sad, oh mad, oh happy, oh mad." It's like because yeah. she saw John Daenerys. The Hound, which she was pissed about. And then Gendry, where she was happy. Was like, And it was funny, too, because with how Game of Thrones is, is and how brutal it is, and it's almost like Arya 10 years later or like 8, 9, 10 years later, right. they're like, oh, you survived. Oh, you survived. Oh, you're, oh, you're still, you're still alive. Oh, right. Because Game of Thrones, it's like if you survive one day, like that's a big accomplishment. Right.
1: Exactly. I mean, it is literally Ron Burgundy in a telephone booth. I'm yeah. in a glass cage of emotion right yeah, now. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: So, you know, northern people look pissed that yeah. that uh, our king of the north is with this queen who burned our our lords on fire and yeah. whatever, whatever. And we talked about the hound. Uh, she's very surprised to see him. Yeah. She's she's giving the fuck fuck eyes to Gen- Gendry. and They're yeah. definitely bubbling uglies at oh, some yeah. point. Oh, yeah. 100%. I don't want to see it because Maisie Williams, I just remember as this cute little kid. But yeah. <laughs> they, everyone grows up sometime.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, but they're definitely gonna get together,
1: right? For sure. So the first words of the episode is this carriage with Tyrion and Varys. Yeah. And he's like, "You're lucky you don't have balls." And he, and Varys is like, "What?" Or because you want to be able to freeze them off. Yeah. Because at least you like, can't freeze your balls. What's up with you and off? balls jokes? Yeah. He's like, well, because I have balls. So it's like, all right, all right, comic relief right from the get go. Yeah. All I
0: feel right. like they probably did that to just like establish the fact that Tyrion is still Tyrion. Right. Like he's that he's still, still got he, that he, personality. Yeah.
1: I mean, Tyrion's been taking so many L's. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's taking so many L's. He 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 needs a win, that's any wh- win.
0: That's why, one of the reasons why I think that he's one of the few people that survive mm-hmm. towards the end. Like, I think, obviously, I mean, with the final season, there's going to be a lot of stories that you tie in or a lot of uh, loose ends that you got to tie up, but there are going to be a select few of the main characters that still survive through it. I think Tyrion's going to be one of them. Mm-hmm.
1: Hopefully, like, maintain at least a shell of the of themselves that we all fell in love with.
0: Yeah, exactly. Throughout this journey. Because there's you know, no doubt that some of them were going down. Oh, yeah. Some oh, yeah. big ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, a weird moment when the Northerners are glaring at Masande and Grey Worm. I don't know if that's, like, racism, misogyny. Like, they've I, never I, seen
0: black people before. But I think that was probably it. Probably, yeah, it maybe.
1: Was, you know, it was just a weird moment.
0: Because I don't think there is any, I mean... Not that you would see in that scene there's many, like, by people and Winterfell. At least right. not that I could see. So that was probably one of the reasons why specifically they were looking at her mm-hmm. and him. Mm-hmm. Danny
1: looks like, so we go to a shot at Danny, who's looking disgruntled. She's like, why aren't they all happy with me? Like, yeah. I am their queen. They should be happy. They should bend the knee, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And she sends telepathy up to Rhaegal and Drogon. <laughs> Ultimate flex. Dude,
0: she just loves to flex those dragons. Loves to flex the
1: dragons, and they come
2: deservedly really
1: so. Yeah, oh yeah, they come flying in. Everyone's like, Jesus <laughs>
0: fucking Christ, dude. Can you imagine? Like, just put put yourself in their shoes. Way back in the day, you never see anything like that. Anything anything bigger than a horse, really. And you're just like these village folks that just go day by day, just trying to get a meal. That's like your next goal every right. day. And you look up and you see two of these gigantic fucking things, full-grown dragons. And, like, and how do you know? Like, I was joking about it. Like, may sound sad, but I was watching this. I was watching it by myself, and I was joking about it to myself, thinking about it, it's like, what if Game of Thrones? Like, they come flying down as a flex, but then just like unleash fire and just oh, oh, yeah. destroy in Winterfell. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I am your queen now. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, so, you, you know, were- like in the or like the origin story when. Um, it would have been quite Aegon the first and his two sister wives went to conquer the seven kingdoms. Yeah. The only kingdom that didn't go to war with Aegon and his two sister wives and their dragons, it was the North. It was uh King Brandon the First or Second. Okay. And he was forever known as the King Who Knelt. Gotcha. He, was, he was the only one who bent the knee that didn't fight. So I think there is some kind of I don't want to say foreshadowing of just connection of, in general the, of of the Targaryens, the dragons, and the North as a whole.
0: Because I, I think that because of the history of like incest in Targaryen, I right. think that even though that John has now made this realization that he is in fact a Targaryen, I think him and Danny stay together.
1: I hope so. Yeah. They are two very attractive looking people. I would make very attractive babies. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Like, cause there's something about, more specifically, like, I don't know, maybe because it's been two years and I've seen these other characters, like in other films and other movies and stuff, and they're such big superstar actors. Right. right. That it just seems like, especially when he, they were riding the dragons, and they took them to the hunting spot or whatever, just they're. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they have the greatest chemistry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. At least not on set. The the thing is like Amelia Clark and Kit Haring. I mean, Kit Harington, this was his breaking, breaking, breakthrough performance, but Amelia Clark, she was in a couple other things. She was in a Terminator. Like she was established a bit, but they are now both alphas. They are both a list people. Oh yeah. And yeah, it does look a little bit forced, uh, to find a romantic connection between the two, it
0: just doesn't seem like it's like it's natural. It's Which not is fine nearly as
1: I mean, not nearly as natural. Especially as when f- Kit and Rosie Leslie Ygritte, yeah. like R.I.P. Yeah. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Like yeah. oh, like if they could just ended up together in the tv show like they did in real life i would have been really happy and, but,
0: and and it makes sense too that they wouldn't have the greatest chemistry because i mean you look at that relationship and it's like they eventually got married right so it's like that was
1: so organic and so authentic we were like,
0: literally watching two people although they were acting in their characters we we're literally watching two people fall in love right and that's right. what made the chemistry so ridiculously good
1: so danny flexes the dragons oh yeah big flex and uh, and Arya looks excited because she's never seen dragons. Sansa's a little freaked out by the dragons. Yeah. And we enter the gates of Winterfell. Jon gets off his horse. He's so excited to see Bran. He hasn't <laughs> seen him since he got booted out of the room by Catelyn Stark in episode two. Because like, he liter- wanted to say goodbye.
0: Like literally a huge reunion. Huge re- Should be. Yeah, huge should be. Re- should be.
1: Huge reunion. But you know, Bran's a robot now. Yeah. And... You know, he's like, you're you're, you're a man now. You're a man. And he's it's like and Bran's just like almost a man. Yeah, almost it's a like, man. It's like What do you, what do you mean? Like you've never gotten laid? Yeah. Like like you're you're you 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 haven't hit that final stage of puberty. Like yeah. what's going on, my guy? And I don't know what n- that means. No, it's no, I'm the three eyed raven, so I'm not really full human, I'm only part human. Whatever. Like
2: yeah.
1: it's very weird. Yeah. And you know, so John hugs Sansa, and so, and then John finally introduces Daenerys Targaryen. You know, whatever, break your chains, titles, titles, all, all the titles stuff. in the yeah. world. Yeah. And you know, it. And Danny tries to coo, like, like try to suck up to Sansa, talk about how beautiful she is, how yeah. beautiful the North is, whatever. And Sanja's just like, I'm not taking any of this shit. And she's like, Winterfell is yours, your grace. Just yeah. like Ned Stark did in episode one to Robert Baratheon. Yeah. Except it was a warm hug with Robert Baratheon and Ned. Now it's just, and Danny, after the Sansa exchange, is like, what? The, uh, okay? Yeah.
0: Sure. And it's, sure. Like, and it's like, I totally get, it's impossible for... Not impossible, but, I mean, I totally get John's perspective when he talks about how that Sansa, like, no one knows just in general. Because when they give him shit about giving up his crown and stuff, it's like, look, you, none of you people have fought against the White Walkers. None of you have seen this shit. I'm telling you that these titles don't matter. Right, right. When you die and then come up as a soldier for the enemy, like, this... Shit is not, like, just another army that we're going and raising flags against. Like, right. Like, I don't give a shit if I'm your king. I don't give a shit if the dog is a king. Like, it's not going to matter come exactly. in a few days when the entire Night King army comes exactly. and knocks on your doorstep.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I think a big, like, uh, theme of Game of Thrones is that... Titles become less and less important as yeah. the series goes on. And it's 100%. more the the family you choose, more the the friends you choose, and the allegiances you choose. Is not like, oh, well, we've been allies forever, so I guess we got to be allies again. It's like yeah. no, like yeah, this guy was able to rally the free folk. This guy was able to rally some of the north. And this guy was, and his sister was able. To get the Knights of the Vale to come down and help us, these two are our leaders. I yeah. don't care if she's a lady. I don't care if he's a bastard. They led us. Yeah, that's what's important. Yeah. And that's that's been a pretty cool thing about this show.
0: Well, and plus, because if any of them actually knew the actual threat of the Night King and like the undead, it's like, right. okay, we need the biggest army the world has ever seen, and we need two fucking dragons. Yeah, we need shit set ablaze yesterday yeah. how would you not like i mean i I understand the whole honor thing and wanting like and bringing an outsider in but it's like if you were going towards battle i mean i guess if you're a villager and not necessarily trusting the dragons not knowing that at any moment they could literally just torture entire village and not even bat an eye but i mean if you're coming up to an upcoming battle that you know is going to be intense and extreme and outrageous why would you not want dragons
1: on your side? Yeah, why do not you want And the gigantic army that goes like five miles armies. long. Why don't you want an army of nutless dudes that do everything you say and they're the most skilled people this side of the great sea? Yeah. Why don't you want the most savage army on the face of the earth that ride horses that are skilled bowmen skill sword fighters that are literally savages
0: all with dragon glass weapons yeah because they can take out white walkers at an instant yeah
1: i mean we, we we can talk about like sansa's progression at the end of the recap let's yeah. let's, let's, let's let's try to blow through this without okay. going a deep dive we're not even done with page one here <laughs> all right. folks all right fair enough all right so uh after the cold greeting brand's like shut the fuck up don't care about titles. Don't care about any of this greetings formal bullshit. None of this matters. Night King, Night King, blew a hole in the wall. He's coming. By the way, Danny, your dragon's not really dead. He's an ice dragon, and the Night King's on top of him. Right. Sorry, not sorry for yeah. your loss. And yeah, you know, oh yeah, just casual. You know, just, we'll just blow by that. Is yeah, is, is what the show does. Like oh yeah, Danny, yeah. don't worry, you're you're gonna be fine. Yeah. So we go to the Great Hall. Sansa wants, uh, Ned Umber, the kid. Uh, she wants the Umber family and the Umber house and the Umber castle to come to Winterfell with other men. The kid wants horses. They say, sure, whatever. Uh, we'll get you what you want. Please come to Winterfell. We need, we need everyone in one place. Yeah. Uh, John asks for the night's watch and then Liana Mormont, God bless her beautiful soul. Yeah. She went from being a kid to a full blown teenager in a moment. I get it. It's been two years, but she went from being like four foot, nothing to like five, eight. Yeah. Probably as tall as Kate Harrington now. Poor guy. No no shit. Man. She's like, yo, like you were our King. We all vouch for you. We all like voted, basically voted for you to be King. Yeah. And now
0: what the fuck are you dude? Yeah. And then she says like, I'm not sure what you are anymore. Yeah.
1: And then, you know what you talked about? John's like, you know, yeah, it's a cool honor. Like I, I wanted to be a Stark or I wanted to be the King of the North as long as I can remember, but that's not important anymore. Well, he, like, he
0: literally says it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it
1: doesn't matter. Like what's coming. It doesn't care if I'm the King of the North. Yeah. I'm just me in his army. Yeah. And you know, um, and you know, he wraps up by saying, you know, I had the, I had the choice to defend the North or keep my crown. And I chose the North and I
0: chose the North. I chose the North
1: (laughs) and, and, you know, that causes some rumblings and, Tyrion, you know, being who he is, he's like, I need to speak up here. Yeah. I have a good reputation with these folk. Yeah. I'm going to stand up and defend John for going over the wall and bringing a white and and showing King's Landing that the undead is real. Yeah. Therefore, the queen, who is the mother the person who be- beheaded your king yeah. or your, your old uh, ward... Uh, yeah, she said the the Lannister army's coming. So the, the most deceitful so, woman so, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, let's rally the troops and let's go. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's like, shut the fuck up, you yeah. midget. Like, yeah. go away. <laughs> yeah. And Sansa's like, so like, what are we gonna do about food? I didn't plan about Unsullied. She's thinking of all these minuscule shit. Yeah. Because she she doesn't know what's coming. Yeah. She doesn't realize it. And and you know she's like well, I never thought about what dragons eat. Yeah. What do dragons eat?
0: Danny again, flexes yeah. wherever they want. Yeah. Whatever they want.
1: Devil glare. Yeah. And, Danny,
0: Danny flexes the dragons whenever possible.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, so we move to, uh, jet Gendry moving some dragon glass stuff, whatever. And then we get the reunion of Sansa and Tyrion. And, um, uh, I think his name's Lord Royce, the guy with the weird ass
0: sideburns, yeah. Uh, the not, Knights of the Vale guy. Yeah, I'm not sure what his name is.
1: Yeah, but he's he's the lead commander of the Knights of the Vale. Uh, Tyrion wants to speak to Sansa. Basically, has to get permission to talk to Sansa. Pretty cool flex by Sansa. Oh yeah. And then we get some we get some playful back back and forth from the Purple Wedding, which is Joffrey's wedding that ended up him being poisoned and dying. Yeah. And you know, awful affair. And Sansa's like, it had its moments. Like, ha ha ha. And Tyrion's like, why the fuck did you leave? You left me in a really bad spot. And she's
0: like, eh, you know, whatever, whatever. We're both alive. Yeah.
1: So Tyrion's like, yeah, I know you, you shouldn't trust my sister after what you, what she did to you, but she has something to live for now. Mm -hmm. And, and Sansa just drops an all time one liner to Tyrion, just just really, really cut to the core of it because Tyrion, more than anything, thinks he's cleverer than anyone else. Yeah. He believes that he is the smartest man. He may not be he may not be a fighter. He may not be a good looking dude. He may be a half man, but he is very, very smart. Yeah. And so this cuts cuts him deep when uh Sansa says, I used to think you were the cleverest man alive. Yeah. Walks away. Yeah
0: yikes it, and it's and it's weird because you have these paradigms in the show that where there's certain characters that don't know what else is going on even mm-hmm. though that we do so we already at this point know that cersei is going to betray him and right. betray everybody right and and Tyrion doesn't know that so all these other characters are saying like dude you're a dumbass for believing her she'll never do it she's gone back on pretty much everything that she said right. and all of her words quote unquote so it's pretty interesting to Look at Tyrion as, like Sansa said, the cleverest man alive, and to think that we already know that he—he's being know duped. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And you know, we get part one, part one part, of the brand, part brand one, <laughs> part one of three, a brand lurking down and yeah. down in the down in the freaking uh, main part of Winterfell, just staring. Yeah. All uh, right. Yeah. You know, that's that's
2: cool.
0: Yeah. And I uh, saw an interview with the actor that plays Bran, and he said, in order to make it make his glare and like stare more like like how it was, which was kind of just, I, I don't know how to necessarily describe it, but he was talking about how he didn't wear his glasses or his contacts. So he literally, he legitimately couldn't see. So yeah, so they've made him not wear glasses or contacts in order to make like the stares that he would give people more hmm. realistic or more legit, which I thought was pretty funny.
1: So we got part one of Bran lurking. Then we go to Weirwood tree. I mean, you know, big part of the Starks, big part of the North, uh, the the Children of the Forest, whatever. And something that Game of Thrones fans have been looking forward to since episode two of season one, Jon Snow and Arya Stark reuniting.
0: Which I will say was not like, to me... Sansa and Jon's like I will rewatch that reunion that they had and like get goosebumps because of how like the music behind it like their reactions when they first see each other like their hug. I feel like they didn't play any music when Jon and Arya reunited and they started right. off with a joke, which I mean I get I get it in terms of their relationship because that's how it kind of was in terms of like Jon was the only one that gave Arya any respect or like that was actually friendly to her because obviously Sansa would pick on her all the time, typical like sister uh, relationship. But then Arya treated Jon with respect growing up, and it was and I get that dynamic, and that's why I was pumped for the reunion. But I just felt like I was watching it, and I just thought that it was nothing compared to like the feeling that I got when him and Sansa reunited.
1: Right, you know.
0: I feel whole- like they could have thrown some Game of Thrones music behind it or something. Mm-hmm. It was just silent.
1: Right, you know, John just came back from the dead with in the Sansa reunion. John just came back from the dead. Sansa just escaped uh, the the Ramsay Bolton wrath. That like, is true. Like there was a there was a lot a lot that they did right before the reunion and before and, this one. It was kind of like more just, just like, like a chill they're both state. coasting. Yeah, yeah. And, I get that for sure. You know, it was also really nice that the last thing that John and Arya did was Arya jumping into John's arms. And so what happened is when they reunited they jumped into each other's arms. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And with John and Aria, like they both accepted each other for who they are. Yeah. Like, uh, Ari- like John didn't see Aria as a lady. She saw her as this nitty gritty tomboy type of person. And John and to Aria, John was more than a bastard, someone that cared about her, someone that loved her, someone that showed her respect and treated her how she wanted to be treated. So yeah. Yeah, I will say it was a little anticlimactic. Like I just wish little, they were throwing some music behind it or right, something. Right. Yeah, just throw just yeah, throw a harp or something. Yeah, like, just whatever. a little tune. Right. And uh, so Aria calls him out for uh, getting stabbed in the chest and being so short like Yeah. How did how did Kit Harrington's people like let that happen? Like I, I know he's like w- wearing like raised like shoes now because oh, yeah, he he's so short and yeah. And uh, Sophie Turner, who plays Sansa Stark, is like five eleven, six feet. But, yeah. But like, come on, my man. Like, you you you're short, but like, don't put it in the script. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, John's happy that he uh, that Arya kept Needle and. And John shows the vis- uh, Valyrian steel short sword, long claw. Yeah. And uh, John's John's <clears> like, yo, I could have used your help back there with Sansa. And, 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 you know, she's like, you know, she's, she knows what she's doing, blah, blah, blah. And, and he's like, what the hell? Like. You, I you, thought you'd be you, on my side. Yeah, I thought you'd be on my side. and, yeah. and he's like, uh, she's like on my family side, and she talks about how Sansa's the smartest person she knows. In my opinion, Arya doesn't know a lot of people.
0: Like, and plus, still yet another person who has never seen the undead, who has never seen the Night King. Like John's the only per—I mean, not the only person, but one of the few people that actually matter that has literally seen the Night King walk out to the end of the dock and raise a bunch of people up that just got massacred. Right. make them a part of his army
1: right and night king's a gold medal javelin thrower as well you yeah know? exactly yeah and tom brady
0: out there throwing spears
1: exactly <laughs> whatever like sansa yeah she's been through a lot she got she she left the north with fairy tales and butterflies and whatever she gets brutalized by
0: joffrey and cersei well and Tyrion said that thing about like like a lot of people underestimated you and a lot of them are dead now right yeah
1: and, you know like yeah she's been through a lot but how much does she really know? Yeah, she's been through hell and back, but how much does she know about running, running the North? How much does she know about ruling people and, and making sure they're all okay or battle plans? And
0: especially like this specific conflict. Like general, like being a politician, especially in this world, she might be more versed and experienced in, experience in right. terms of like you said, running a kingdom that doesn't really have to deal with conflict. It's not in a war or something, but this isn't just another war. This isn't just like another battle. Like this is literally, you're battling for mankind's existence. Exactly. Like this, it, it's not necessarily the smartest person, like Arya said, the smartest person she's ever met. That necessarily doesn't come into play when it's dealing with this kind of enemy.
1: Right. Yeah. Brutalized by the Lannisters. Basically kidnapped and has to trust Littlefinger. Yeah. And then gets raped and abused by Ramsay Bolton yeah. because she had to. Because I need an inside woman. Yeah, little finger. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's little all finger that bullshit.
0: Marrying him away, and,
1: you know, like after she gets raped and brutalized, she's supposed to know everything now. It's like, yeah, she more now now knows not to trust anything or to second guess stuff or to
0: question everything. Yeah, I yeah. get that. So and it's you, like it's not that she's not smart. It's just with this, like I said, with this current conflict, it's it makes sense to just just trust John. Right, just let him do his thing.
1: Exactly. So we move to King's Landing. Coburn lets Cersei know that the wall is fallen. Cersei says, good, smirks, walks away. Yeah. And then we get uh, we get a shot of the Iron Fleet. Euron Greyjoy's fleet with the Golden Company. And for those of you that don't know, the Golden Company is are basically the sellswords that live in Essos. And they're like their quote of fame is that they've never, ever, ever broken a contract. They are if they say hey you need to fund this army and you need to go complete this thing they will go and do it and yeah. they will have men and horses and elephants
0: yeah elephants and we'll talk about it in just a second meme part 2
1: yeah meme part 2
0: <laughs> well and i thought it was interesting that kyburn looked kind of disgusted with her when she said good when yeah. the ni- when yeah, the he, dead watched at the yeah. wall
1: yeah it's weird and probably all the feet pics that kyburn gets like i'm sure he's feet, got <laughs>
0: Because if you're a Kybern, and if you think something's messed up, you yeah, must think it's really messed exactly, up. Exactly, exactly. So we
1: we go to the ship. Euron ship, and Euron starts toying uh, toying with uh, uh, chained up Yara. Yeah, Yara Greyjoy, and you know he's like we're the last Greyjoys alive, you know, or the last Greyjoys with balls. So and she, just she, with
0: he's them. the uncle. He's their uncle, yes, right? He's okay. their okay. uncle. Yeah. The dad's brother. Yeah, the okay. dad's brother.
1: Okay, and. And, uh, you know, Yara's like, you know, you pick the losing side and, and Yara, Yaron's like, I guess, yeah, maybe, maybe
0: maybe I'm I'll still going to fuck the queen. Well, and plus he says, well, I'll just sail the yeah, iron fleet somewhere home. else. Yeah. I'll go home or I'll go somewhere else. And I think that's a foreshadowing because somehow, some way there might be a situation where he just pieces out with oh, a yeah. bunch so of shit Oh yeah. So she's going to do
1: something and piss him off to the point where he's like, all right, you know what? I banged you. I'm done. I'm going to ghost the fuck out of you. Well, and
0: when she tells him that she's already pregnant. That's when he's gonna be like,
1: yeah, peace. I I actually think she's gonna uh, trick into saying Jamie's baby is your li- another Baratheon scenario. Yeah. So
2: although
0: she has been pregnant for quite a while, yeah, but so she's still like,
1: sipping that good wine though. That, that she George is. Wine. Yeah, I did. I did notice that. Do they not know about the uh, pregnancy stuff? Yeah, uh, maybe whatever. not in that era. I guess Whatever. I guess Planned Parenthood wasn't around in yeah. Uh, Westeros. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we shoot to the throne room. Uh Captain Andrew Strickland, who is uh, the commander of the Golden Company, she uh, he tells uh, Cersei that he has 20,000 men. Euron might have killed a few playing cards or whatever. Yeah. They had 2,000 horses. And she's like, and the elephants? And Captain Strickland's like, well, you know, uh, we... It'd be hard to uh, travel them and, you know, the logistics and uh, yeah. packaging you know, and supply chain of you know, the whole matter. You need
0: a boat for each elephant, pretty much. Yeah. I feel and, like...
1: And and Cersei was pissed. She's like, I thought the Golden Company guaranteed elephants. Yeah. And, you know, this is obviously foreshadowing. Maybe they come in later. Maybe the Golden Company betrays betray Cersei and they bring the elephants
0: to gang up against her. Or they use the... Or they... Somehow find out about the actual threat and use the elephants to take out. Exactly. Fight against the night exactly.
1: king. Exactly. So Cersei's very disappointed about the elephants meme part two. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> I saw the one where it's the Drake meme, or it's the what's that song he did oh it's a hotline Hot, bling hotline bling yeah. yeah so it's like the meme where he's like he's got his hand up against it and it's what is it uh dragons or whatever because yeah. that scene where the dragons go against jamie and his army and it's a dragon flying down and then they show it next to one and it's dumbo flying down and she <laughs> and it's the second one where she's like pointing at it and satisfied with it i just need, so i just funny. need
1: another lord of the rings return of the king battle of gondor scene that's all i need i need those elephants beef Bumping. Do
0: the battle scenes that we're gonna about to watch like it's these next do, few episodes yeah, are gonna yeah. be insane. The night the battle with the undead is going to be absolutely bad shit. Exactly.
1: So uh Euron starts to do a flirtatious dance with Cersei. Cersei's resistant at first, and you know a basic white girl Instagram caption generated <laughs> from this episode. <laughs> you want a whore, buy one. You want a queen, earn her. Which with-
0: she gives up. Five minutes later, yeah,
1: brb, gonna go fuck this greasy pirate real quick. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh,
1: Euron still being very arrogant, and Cersei eventually
0: gives in, and they go bang. Well, it's probably why she gives in because like she likes that. Yeah, that she
1: she kind of likes being told what to do every yeah. now and
0: then. Because no one no one tells her what to do, so she's like, oh, there's actually one so percent of good the for balls to do it. Yeah,
1: oh, all these guys fear me. This guy doesn't give a flying fuck. Yeah. Flash to a whorehouse. Bronn's about to have a foursome. Pretty awesome for Bronn. Pretty standard for Bronn. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) standard now. And Bronn's got the gold. He's getting women. But he still wants the wife in the castle that he's been promised. Yeah. And then, you know, the girls are talking about all the Lannister people that died or have been injured and they came back and we finally learned what happened to Ed Sheeran's faith fate in that episode.
0: Yeah. What I saw that later on, I never caught it in even my second watch through. So what, what scene was that and how did they find out what his, okay?
1: So when bronze in the middle of having that foursome, uh, the whores are talking about, sorry, the late, the, the, the working women, the
0: ladies of the night, the ladies of the night, ladies of the evening. Yeah.
1: Ladies (laughs) of the evening. They're talking about all the soldiers that are coming back and, and there, and one's like, "Did you hear about Eddie?" And she, and one's like, "The ginger." Oh, yeah, he okay. he came back with his eyes eyes eyelids burnt out. And I like. I How are you now. supposed to sleep? And Brown's like, rah, 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 rah. "Okay." So, you know, good uh, good shout out to Ed Sheeran's
0: five minute cameo. Five minute cameo. Yeah.
1: And so you know, Kai obviously doesn't see the sock on the door and comes in, so and, and you know the ladies leave and uh. And basically, Kyburn tells Bron, "Hey, like, you know, Jamie and Tyrion both betrayed the Queen. The Queen, uh, the Queen rewards people that betray. That rewards the people that kill the betrayers." And he's like, "All right." And and Kyburn tells tell talks about all this gold and whatever, whatever. And and he's like, "This the Queen actually wants you to kill Tyrion and Jamie with." the crossbow that Tyrion killed uh Tywin yeah on the shitter
0: at Joffrey's
1: crossbow yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know Bron being Bron, death this fucking family yeah cut scene we go to the bedroom of the Red Keep and Cer- Cersei's still bitching about the elephants and yeah Euron wants wants to you know he needs a confidence booster he's he's like so how am I compared to Robert and she's yeah. like blah, 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 blah. And, and then he's like how'd I how do I compare to the Kingslayer? How do I compare to Jamie? And she's like, well, dude, do you know I could fucking kill Yeah, like, you know, I could have
0: the mountain come yeah. in and just split you in half with his bare hands. Right. So, you know, a little
1: back and forth there. She's continued drinking the wine while she's quote unquote pregnant.
0: With Jamie's kid.
1: Yeah. And then she's like, all right, I want you to go now. We, we banged. Oh, no said. Yeah. And Euron grabs her chest and says, I'm going to put a prince in your belly. Yeah. And she's, starts tearing up a little bit yeah
0: so So i don't know if that's like it has to be because maybe she actually has feelings for euron and she doesn't like she knows that she won't be able to do that or maybe she knows that jamie betrayed her and she knows that it's jamie's kid and maybe that Mm -hmm. brings up like bad memories i don't know i'm not sure
1: who knows the another great thing about game of thrones is that they don't give away too much it gives us always thinking and wanting more
0: and probably it's foreshadowing of some kind right so we, the scene moves
1: to uh Euron's main ship, and next thing you know, we hear a crossbow fire, and then another fantastic cameo is uh Rob McEnnery, yeah. from it's always said in the Adelphia. Mac,
0: how they got him to play that role to literally play five seconds to get shot in the face, it was like two
1: seasons ago where there's people in the army that looked a lot like charlie and mac yeah and so you know the internet went off and and i i guess this season they're like and mac was like hey you want me to be on for a couple of seconds and they said sure and
0: that's so, so we insane. get we get a
1: scene to mac getting an arrow through his eyes so that was pretty sweet and yeah. mac on his instagram put like hashtag don't blink or something
0: yeah and i remember because so, i remember seeing an article that he was in the episode. And then not knowing when he was gonna, like, so I remember watching the first one, not remember seeing him at right. all. And then reading the article that he was in the episode, and then watching it for the second time, I hadn't known when he was gonna make it, like, make an appearance. Mm-hmm. And then I was watching this scene, and as soon as he gets the arrow shot through his eye, I was like, oh shit, there's Mac. Oh, <laughs> there's Mac. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty funny. Fight milk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fight milk.
1: So then, you know, we hear a giant thud. And then the door opens with one of Euron's guards guarding Yara's basically prison. The yeah. guy has an axe through his face. Yeah, Theon comes out of nowhere, pulls the axe
0: out. And they show over. the yeah. six-inch cavity that he put into the yeah. dude's face yeah, with yeah, the that, axe.
1: Was, that was just beautiful. <laughs> Beautifully so done. And he frees Yara, and Yara thanks him by headbutting him. Yep. They, he, she picks him up and they just leave. Like, all right. That was like the easiest, stealthiest mission of all time. Like, yeah and okay. plus
0: The thing is, the thing I was curious about after watching that, I was like, wait, I get the stealth part at night. Getting her wouldn't be a problem, but sailing away ships without anybody knowing, I feel like that would have been, it's a little bit more like, not like unbelievable, I guess I would say. I would right. say. But In terms of the story and how they want to progress it, I guess it makes sense to to make not more out of that scene than what was needed. Right.
1: So, you know, after they escape, scene cuts to the Greyjoy Greyjoy ship and Yara's like, you know, Euron's whole entire fleet is uh, in King's Landing. We can go reclaim the Iron Islands. We can make a safe place for Danny to retreat to if she needs to because the dead can't go in water. Yeah. Euron's like, but everyone's a winterfell, and she's like, we should go
0: home and, and how could basically- the Night King can't just like freeze water as he's walking. Right. I feel yeah. like he could do that. Yeah. yeah. Cause maybe because they, they show in the in the intro scene how the snow like gradually moves over the land. Exactly. It's like why can't they just do that over water?
1: Who knows? Maybe maybe that happens and we don't know. Yeah. And so eventually Yara realizes that Theon wants to go. Uh, Theon wants to go fight for the living and she grants him that and you know another great one liner is what is dead may never die they embrace and then Yara's like but kill the bastards anyway.
0: So when she says that she's talking about the undead right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Because at first I thought it was like she meant the literal bastards like but yeah, I was like, I thought that it was like a sense. kill Jon Snow thing. But- yeah. At first I was like, because I had to rewind it because that it was one of those scenes where she kind of says it like quickly and like right. under her breath. Right. So I had to rewind it a few times. But that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So
1: we come back to Winterfell. We're in the outer parts of the camps. The car starks return with a new sigil. Tyrion makes a note of it. And then uh basically the Three big brain heads of this show. Tyrion, yeah. Davos Seaworth, and Varys, they're all uh, they're all talking to each other. Yeah. And they're all talking about the allegiance between Jon and Danny and whatnot and how uh, Danny's people can improve relations with the Northern people. And Davos basically says, you can't just show up and expect them to bend a knee. You yeah. have to earn their trust. These people are more stubborn than whatever, whatever. Yeah. And... And so Tyrion's like, Do you have a proposal? And and uh Davos is like, Yeah, my proposal is a proposal. You know, if we make it out of this goddamn thing, yeah, uh, we should have the seven kingdoms be ruled by a, King and a, a, queen. a sane woman and a just man for the first time ever. Yeah. So we should have John and Danny rule the kingdoms.
0: And you Which know, could be a foreshadowing that I mean, it would be very untypical Game of Thrones to have both John and Danny make it to the end, get the king and queen like happily ever after. Right. But it could be a foreshadowing that they may be a possibility that if they make it there, that's what they're thinking.
1: Right. Right. And you know, there's some back and forth with how old they're how old they are. Yeah. And, and you know, Varus eventually like, you know, we the young call us wise, whatever, to keep them at bay from knowing the truth and nothing lasts. Like they're, yeah, they're like, What's what does that mean? Yeah, nothing lasts so you know now we go to uh john snow and danny going on their little dragon date yeah and danny's like yo your sister doesn't like me and he she's like you know and john's like you know like she didn't like me either growing up and danny's basically like yo she doesn't have to like me, but I'm her queen. If mm-hmm. she doesn't, she doesn't think I'm her queen and then, you know, eventually gets broken up. But what's the, what's the butt, Danny? Are you going to yeah. fucking set her on fire? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know how pissed off
0: everyone would be? Yeah, no kidding.
1: So the Dothraki come, they say, you know, the dragons have eaten a bunch of sheep and goats. And
0: at first, I thought when they said they, I thought they went out like for a hunt and that's how much food they gathered. That's right. what I thought of the first episode, but. When I watched the second time, I was like, "Oh, that's what the dragons ate. And that makes right. sense."
1: So Danny's worried that they aren't eating. So John and Danny go up to the dragons in this little ash pit area, and Danny just impromptu is like, "Hey, like, get on the, get on, Let's go for a ride, yeah, get on Rago, like, get on." And he's like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. And Dave's like, yeah, no, you're fine. And he's like, what if I die? And she's like, well, nice knowing you. Yeah, like, it was
0: nice knowing you. It's like, All right, sick. Cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you know, in the notes, I put John, quote unquote, rides Rhaegal, but he's basically suffering the entire time. Holding on for dear life. Right. And in the behind the scenes, Kit Harrington was like, you know, when I was going through uh, one of those scenes, there was like a, a a version or there was a scene where I was going sideways on Rhaegal. Didn't he say he like smoked my, my, his my balls right, or something? My right testicle got like stuck. And he's like, this is where I thought I was going to die. Oh, my God. On this robot thing, green skiing. With a tennis ball. With my balls twisted. I was yeah. like, oh, that just sounds brutal. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. So, you know, they're flying and stuff, and they, they eventually, like, they eventually, like, settle down by this hot spring waterfall area. John makes a joke about how he ruined – uh, horse riding for me and it's like well dude like you've already ridden one dragon danny like you just yeah. rode a real <laughs> life dragon like come on my guy there's so much like sex puns in this episode oh yeah it's not even funny
0: well and plus i think because i watched the behind the scenes <clears throat> after the episode that hbo does and it turns out that that place that they went to is like john's old hunting spot that he yeah. used to hunt at as a kid or something like that right so that's why he brought her there
1: Right, you know, and one of the scenes is they like fly over Winterfell, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, our king is riding a dragon!" Yeah, and so they we just go. saw
0: these dragons yesterday, and now Jon Snow's riding one. Yeah, our
1: king is just riding them like a horse. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, and you know, so they go to the hot spring, and Danny and Jon they're walking, and she takes a look at the hot spring, and uh, Danny says, "We could stay here a thousand years. Uh, no one, no one would find us." And uh, what the my pitches got stuck. Oh. Buffer, buffer, buffer. No, for, no one will find us. And he like embraces her a little bit. He's like, "It's cold up here for a southern girl," and she's like, "Then keep your king, queen warm." This is
0: where I st- started to see like the lack of chemistry because it's like those are some pretty cheesy lines, right?
1: Like- right. And you know, the it takes me back to like season. Five, I think season five when you're and uh john bang for the first time in the yeah. hot spring area above the uh north of the wall and that was so organic that, yeah. that like chemistry was flying off the charts like like all those cheesy one-liners they fit and they worked and this one yeah. it seemed a little forced
0: yeah and it's pretty interesting because we talked about it before how it was like we were literally witnessing them falling in love and it wasn't just those two characters were already in love, already dating, and already like either close to married or married when they came into the show. It's like no, they hadn't met until the show, and they got married after, or not after the show, but like during the show. So it's like we literally witnessed two people meet and fall in love with each other. And On finds- and off screen. Yeah, yeah exactly. And this
1: one's like nope. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nope. And this is like, and especially when they were filming. I think Kit was like fresh off of his wedding and like when he right. got married, so, so it's he like, has
1: so much honeymoon sex. Like, well, the section he, mean, he's all about the gingers now,
0: so he might be yeah. <laughs> going,
1: he might actually fall for Torment more than she would fall. The more than you fall for Amelia Clark, no shit.
0: And it's like, I would totally get that. Even in the top echelon of actors and actresses, that's but you can act any scene and act it very well, right? But the like the just chemistry, especially on this. Level of this show where the social relationships are like are under a microscope because mm-hmm. of how much dialogue is in the show. Right. So I feel like it takes a little bit extra to show that chemistry, and it just for me it just isn't as much as I Kit Amelia Clark, especially Amelia Clark. She's seems like just the dopest person in general. Exactly. And but I just feel like
1: their you, on-screen you chemistry is not the greatest. Actually falling in love with somebody. Yeah. Exactly. And that, I mean, when it comes down to it. Yeah. And so, you know, the scene ends with uh, John and Danny making out and John keeps looking over at the dragons and the dragons are like, they're literally looking at John and Danny like a kid would look at their parents having sex. Yeah. Like I put in the notes, dragons watching mama about to get bent. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: Everybody compared it to like when you're bumping uglies and the dog is watching you or whatever, or the yeah, dog pops. exactly.
1: Down. Exactly. dog's like, um... <laughs> So they go to the, so the scene cuts to this uh, the Smith area. Gendry uh, is making all these uh, dragon glass weapons. He makes a giant axe for the Hound. Arya comes in. They she has both of the she uh, has both of their you know back and forth with both of them. Big line from the Hound is, "You're a cold little bitch, aren't you?" After he let after she let him die and she robbed him. Yeah, I guess that's why you're still alive. And he walks away. You know great great you know back and forth between those two characters and i love and how there's
0: come. multiple instances where they reference the typical game of thrones where it's just like you survived you've made it through all of this shit so it's like because this is the world we live in
1: exactly and then you know Gendry's trying to flirt with her calling her lady stark and my yeah. lady you yeah. look g- g- good like. yeah so they, they do back and forth. Aria wants. So the big, like, big question going to episode two is: What weapon did Aria want Jenry to make? Yeah, like, what is that? It looked like a detachable spear thing. Like I'm thinking about this giant, the giant stick that her and the Waif used to uh, spar with when she was blind. Like, yeah. Like maybe it's that. Maybe it's something with uh, like we see in the promo of episode two of like her shooting a bow and arrow. So it's like. What could this be? I have no idea.
0: Maybe it's something that, because they know based on, what was it, the second last episode of last season, that when you kill one of the bigger guys a bunch, because that that has to be how the battle with the Night King ends, because I think that they're going to do the Night King, or the battle with the undead and the Night King first, and I think the season and the show will end with Cersei and the Lannisters going against the Starks and whoever survives. But I think that the show, or that, or not the show, the that battle specifically will end with the Night King dying and everyone else falling.
1: So you think that was going to be one of my questions too? Is like the show will go one of two places after episode three, where, where after the Battle of Winterfell, the Night King uh, dies, and then they then they recollect and regroup for the battle against the Golden Company and King's Landing and yeah. Cersei, and re- try to get the throne. Or Winterfell falls and they have to re- retreat back down south and it's going to be a Cersei-Night King sandwich with the Northerns and everyone else in the middle.
0: I think they defeat the Night King. Mm-hmm. And that it's a gigantic battle. Definitely it lives up to all the hype that it's getting. But then I think, like you said, episode three it ends and then four, five, six we built up mm-hmm. and then episode six is Battle King's Landing. Right,
1: yeah, I... I- I like that just because
0: cuz you I, could totally see you're on dying and then you are right,
1: betraying her. her or something like we we I want more plot twists. I love the politics of the show like yeah. uh, you know yeah drag the thing the great part about Game of Thrones is it's not just dragons and magic and wolves and shit. It's yeah. actual politics and backstabbing with sprinkles of the magic stuff on this, well, the fantasy stuff on the side. It
0: just has everything mm-hmm. that you can ask for is like if you get into TV shows in general then it has everything that you need. Right. It's a hell of a commitment. Exactly. Especially if you're just catching up now, but it's worth it in the end because that, I mean, that's what makes it one of the greatest shows of all time. Exactly. Because of the complexity and the different ways that it's like, okay, what kind of show is it? Well, it's got action, storylines, sex, blood, gore, twists, like everything that you would want in a show.
1: Everything. So we get out of the Smith and we uh, reconnect in Sansa's room. Where John enters and Sansa reads out loud that the Glover House is staying in Deepwood Mont. like John's like fuck Lord Glover. He pledged, uh, he 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 wrote he's gonna ride with the Starks to the end of time or whatever. Yeah. And Sansa's like, no, he pledged to himself to the King of the North. And John's like, look, I needed allies. Like this is the way to get allies. And two
0: dragons, two dragons, largest army in the world's ever seen. Dovraki. Do you guys, do you guys not see what I brought here?
1: Yeah. And she's like, you didn't keep your crown though. And John's like, yo, I brought all this shit to beat the Army of the Dead. Like, hey, yeah.
0: give me some props, girl. Give give us a few days and you'll know why I made this decision. Crowns and titles don't
1: matter. Yeah. Like, it, this is becoming more and more real that all this shit doesn't matter.
0: And when the two, just just the two dragons I brought are taking out 30 dudes every three seconds, then exactly. he will be glad we have them.
1: Exactly. And, you know, uh, another great line, you know, John's like, Daenerys is going to help us. Daenerys is a good queen. Sansa's like, well, she is prettier than her dad. Yeah. And then, you know, John kind of blushes a little bit. And Sansa's like, did you bend the knee to save the North or because you love her? Yeah. There's no answer.
0: Well, and plus, I I was thinking in my head when I was watching this specifically more so in the second episode. I was like, why can't it be both? Yeah. Yeah. Why not both? Yeah. You can easily... fall from John's perspective, fall in love with her while also knowing that she has two dragons and the greatest army the world has ever seen.
1: Exactly. Scene ends. We cut to the library. This is personally probably my favorite scene of the episode. Really? Just because like the, well, I'll, I'll explain. Yeah. So Jorah Mormont, uh, Danny's friend zone boy. Uh, and Danny enter the library where Sam is reading. Danny coughs. Sam has their attention now and he walks up Day. flashback
0: to where just real quick Jorah and sam have the 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 grossest and most disgusting scene oh my scene.
1: god it was like you you could you could like imagine the stink and the smell and you could hear the sounds of the goop of the flesh well, and
0: plus the budget that they have they can make it as real as humanly possible and if anybody knows me then they know that i like in particular, it grosses me out with anything to do with skin or mm. stuff growing on skin or, like, skin infections. Yeah. And especially like that, like you said, with, like, the goo and the pus and... the sounds. You oh could my think God. of the,
1: You couldn't visualize the smell. Yeah. Like, everything about it, like, that that whole uh, grayscale thing... Yeah, just... Was just goop.
0: Yeah, so gross. And
1: so, Danny thanks Sam for saving Jorah of the grayscale... Sam asks for pardons, and she's like, "Yeah, sure." And he's like, whatever. "Well, I kind of borrowed some books from the Citadel," and she's like, "Yeah, you're forgiven." Yeah, whatever. And he's like, "Oh, also, I stole this Valerian steel sword from my family home, the Tarleys." Yeah. And and Danny's like,
2: "Oh, fuck. oh shit." <laughs> yeah.
1: And so she's like, "Oh, was who? Do you know Randall Tarley?" Yeah, he's my dad, and. And he's, she's like, he's like, do you know her? And she's like, well, you know, I told him that he could keep his lands and his titles if he bent the knee and he didn't. So, well, you know, I, I set, him set him on, on fire.
2: fire.
1: <laughs> and he's like, and he's a little broken up about it. He's like, oh, you know, I can go home now. You know, now that Dickon is ruined the, uh, yeah, ruin, ruined, uh, ruin, uh, what, what, uh, Horn Hill. Yeah. Now that he's ruined Hornhill, Horn Hill. Uh, your, your brother actually stood with me. It stood yeah. with him. Yeah. Yeah. And Sam obviously loses it, like yeah. you know, Dickon's always been good to him and whatever, and Dickon yeah. didn't want him to go to the Night's Watch. Well, and, his,
0: and Sam's dad was kind of a huge douche. No, he was like but, a racist bigot. Like
1: he yeah. was a dickhead. He was horrible. Yeah, I mean,
0: and Sam was like he was sad for like maybe five, ten seconds. Right. I
1: thought I like I honestly thought it was gonna be like thank you. But, yeah. But you know, burning Dickon that definitely definitely broken Sam a bit. Yeah. He and brought, it was yeah. It was
0: he, pretty interesting to see like that decision that Danny made because of like especially when it happened last season that Tyrion was so against it but it was interesting to see that that big a decision this is like the conflict that that created right like this is the problem that it created
1: right so so he starts crying he leaves and we get part two of Bran lurking lurking at uh looking at lurking at Samwell Tarly oh yeah and Sam's like, what the fuck are you doing out here, Bran? He's like, oh, you know, I'm waiting for an old friend. Waiting for an old friend. Yeah, and we find out that's Jamie at the end of the episode, and Bran's like, hey, it's time to tell, Sam. it's tell, time to tell John about who his parents are, and yeah. Sam's resisting. He's like, why don't you tell him you're his brother? And Bran's like, look, he trusts you more than anyone. It's best to hear from you.
0: I was gonna, I wanted to ask you, who do you think, do you, because when Arya and John have the meeting, And she says, like, and John says, I'm a part of your family, too. And then she says, don't forget that. Right. Does everybody know, at least the big figures, know of John's true heritage except John? Or is it just Sam and Bran?
1: I think it's just Sam and Bran. Because I thought Arya
0: said, don't forget that, because she knew that he actually... No, I don't think
1: think Arya knows. I think right now there's only three people alive that know John's true heritage. That is Bran Stark... That is Samuel Tarley and I think it's Howland Reed, the guy who was out, who was at uh, the fight. Uh, is he the firesword guy? Tower of Joy. He was at the Tower of Joy when Ned Stark went to go after Liana and it was Sir Arthur Dane and the other guy from the King's Rhaegar's, uh King's Guard. That was
0: one of the flashbacks with Bran, right? Yeah, that right? was a flashback.
1: Okay. Howland Reed was the only person with Ned Stark, uh, only the person alive with Ned Stark when he went to go get his sister's baby and come back. And gotcha. I mean, what, I mean, what did Holland Reed think when Ned entered by himself and came out with the baby? Like, you know, Ned, Ned could pull, but it's like, he can't impregnate a bitch and get her pregnant and have a baby in yeah. five minutes.
0: Yeah. I just remember that flashback scene because it was that badass. Like, when you first see how badass Ned Stark is, and it's, like, the other guy that he's fighting says, this is where it's it like begins. It's, like, three
1: times more badass.
0: Yeah. The other guy says, this is where it begins, and then Ned says, like, this oh, is where it ends or something this is like where that. It de- now it ends. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, super and badass. Like Ned
1: didn't beat Sir Arthur Day. Yeah. Like, he got... And, like, Holland Reed was able to stab him in the neck. Like, bailed out, yeah. Yeah, he got bailed out. Like, Sir Arthur Day was a complete and total badass. I yeah. hope... Like in the books the the Sir
0: Arthur Dane was the guy that he was fighting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: he was a member of the King's Guard. He had uh I, I wish I could remember the name of the sword, but he had a store sword that was uh made out of like a meteor uh when dragons first came gotcha. and I think it's called Dawn. I think Dawn is the name of the sword. Gotcha. And you know, that's a big that's a big side plot yeah. message board thing. So the reason why this is kinda like my favorite part is this is the first time Danny realizes the consequences of her actions. Yeah. So, the like me burning people alive who didn't bend the knee, who didn't bend to my rule. Yeah. Are we running long? No, we're good. Okay. We're good.
2: Right. We're at a
0: little over two hours, but no big deal. It's Game of Thrones.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's Game of Thrones. We gotta do deep, deep dives. Oh yeah. And you know this, and this this guy is the victim of me burning bodies. And what does he do deserve it? Oh, he just saved one of my most trusted people alive. The per- No one else could help him but Samuel Tarly. Yeah. And what do I thank him? How do I thank him? I told him I set his family on fire. It, yeah. It, that's kind of why it's my favorite scene, just because Danny's like, this, this is the downside of being a queen, is learning the consequences of your actions. Fair enough. So we shoot, we move to the crypts of Winterfell, which I think will play a big, big role in season eight. Oh yeah. So John's lighting a candle next to Ned's stat, statue. For some odd reason, Sam stumbles in, he falls, he falls down the stairs or whatever. Oh yeah. And Sam. That was, yeah, those are weird. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. I get that Sam's
2: like did clumsy, but it's like, does yeah, he have to? We, yeah. it,
1: and, and so, you know, Sam starts mumbling and bumbling and it's like, Bro, we haven't seen each other in two years. How are you? Yeah. Like, what? What's What's new? Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, I only had sex and I became a maester, and then I left the maester. Then you know, I I I stole a Valerian steel sword. Oh, what's new with you, Jon? Oh, you know, I only got stabbed in the heart, came back to <laughs> life, almost uh, died, you know, retook and... the north, and yeah. now I'm begging a girl who owns two dragons. Yeah. So quick catch up. Yeah, you know, quick hug and and you know the... Sam admits, and Sam tells John about the whole set, uh, Danny setting his family on fire. And he's like, Oh, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, it shit happen to war. We seed. gotta, we gotta win this war one way or another. Yeah. But, uh, Sam starts to explain about John's parentage. Like, Hey, you know, you were a King. You would have, you would have done things differently. He's like, oh, I gave up my crown, whatever, whatever. And and Sam's like, no, you're a king. You've always had been a king. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, no, you're the king of everything. You're the the lords and the protector of the realm, the lords of men, everything. All that jazz. and And John's like, dude, what are you talking about? He's like, your mom was Lyanna Stark. Your dad is Rhaegar Targaryen. They married and you popped out. And John's furious. Yeah. He's like, you're telling me that my dad, the gut, the most honorable person in the world has been lying to me since I was born. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's trying to protect you. Yeah. Cause Robert would have killed, and would have killed you as yeah. soon as he found out. Yeah. John's in disbelief, disbelief. Like what? Uh, Daenerys is a queen and, and, and Sam's like, no, you—you're the king, and you should be. Yeah, you—you you would put your life down. You would put your life on the line to save others. Yeah. The exact quote is, "You gave
0: up your crown to save your people."
1: Would she do the same?
0: Was that that was the actual line? Yeah. Because if, when I first, even when I saw the second episode, I thought he said something regarding that, like Ned would do the same. Or something because he thought about like his actual dad wasn't Ned or something like that. But it was would she do the same? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes more yeah, sense. It's
1: more like he. It seems like the show is trying to has Sam cause a rift between Danny and John. Yeah. Because I I firmly believe that Sam. Well,
0: he probably wants to now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm firmly believe that Sam thinks that John's the best ruler and whatever. But, I uh, like. This episode, I don't think John really considered the fact that it's incest. I think it's more like...
0: Because yeah, he didn't uh, even mention that, he, that he's right. in love with her at all. Right,
1: right. So, it's like, he's not thinking about the whole weird crossing of chromosomes, but... That's why
0: I think that it's they're just going to end up together no matter what. Right.
1: But it's more like, I'm a threat to Danny's rule now. Yeah. What's going to happen? Like... If I say if I, if what is said is true, like what are people gonna think about it? So Like
0: literally her whole claim to fame is that she is the rightful heir because there is no other Targaryen, but there actually is.
1: Right. Exactly. So that'll be something pretty cool to look forward to as the show goes on.
0: And I think that what they were, we were talking about earlier with Tyrion and Davos, like them talking about them ruling together, that's why I think it's a foreshadowing that Mm-hmm. John's going to not care because he doesn't want titles anyways. Right. And then they're going to figure out a way to make mm-hmm. it work to the point where they're both ruling.
1: You know, like growing up, Danny always thought that she was going to end up marrying her brother because yeah. that's what Targaryens do. So she's going to be DTF, I I believe. Either yeah. way, I think John's going to be the one that's going to have more internal struggle with it just yeah. because it's going to be like, you know, she's, she's, she's supposed to be the queen. We got all these armies, but she's my aunt yeah she's really hot but she's my aunt yeah. like like he's he's gonna have some internal he's gonna have some internal struggle with it whether he yeah. tells her in the second episode or whether he tells her in the last episode they both yeah. survive to be
0: and she's probably pregnant too because i mean every game of thrones scene that's like sex between like characters that mean anything that's right not just like some yeah. brothel there's, usually yeah, comes there's no the baby.
1: condoms there's no birth control yeah if you have sex you're getting pregnant yeah like it's it's basically a thing and they go out of their way last season, in the last like three seasons talk about how Danny can't have kids. Can't or, have kids or yeah. I, the dragons are my only children or whatever, yeah. whatever. It they're just setting up a, a dude. The stallion that mounts the world is gonna be their baby. Yeah. Or Anzor on high or whatever the whatever that uh Lord of Light oh, person yeah, yeah. is gonna be. Yeah. So uh the second to last scene is I believe it's the Umber House. Yeah. It has and to be. Uh, Tormund the ginger wilding who's in love with Brienne of Tarth yeah and Beric Dondarrion the leader of the Brotherhood Without Banners the
0: most badass voice in the show oh, I think dude he could tell me all the stories in the world yeah dude his voice is awesome yeah I think they tune it a little bit That I don't think it's his natural voice mm-hmm. I think they have to do some sort of special effect to it because of his character right man I love that voice yeah he,
1: he's unbelievable he could do all the audiobooks in the world yeah, exactly <laughs> So they're, they're on their way back from somehow surviving the- The onslaught. The, the onslaught, the, the downfall of Eastwatch, the wall. Yeah. And they're searching for survivors. They're trying to see what's going on, where the Night King is, what's going on. And so the whole entire Umber Castle is empty. There's pools of blood and around where bodies should be but there is no bodies obviously they got raised as whites and they're they're part of the army of the undead now yeah and they start searching the place they start hearing some noise they hide uh, around a corner and next thing you know they run out the barrack sword is on fire they start screaming and they run into dollarus ed the the New Lord Commander of the Nights Watch. Nights Watch. Yeah, they start screaming at each other. Another moment of comic belief.
2: Yeah,
3: stay
1: back. He's got blue
3: eyes. Mm-hmm. I've always had blue eyes. Yeah,
1: that was pretty. That funny. was that was another moment of comic relief. They. I both, love Tormund. They both hug, and you know that's another crazy thing about how far we've come in the story, where the night, the brothers of the Nights Watch and, and wildlings are hugging wildlings are hugging
0: and glad to see each other. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, you know, Beric asks if they found any survivors and and uh, adds like, ye, kinda. Yeah. And so they go into the big dining hall and, you know, I keep referring to it as the shrimp circle. It looks like a little shrimp bowl yeah, circle. it does. It's like every time the Night King writes a message, it's a, sh- it's a shrimp bowl circle thing. Yeah. So we have all these body parts. Uh, in a spiral of all these limbs with Ned Umber the boy dead in the middle with a sword through his gut yeah and you know Beric's like oh it's a message from the Night King and and you know great great cinematic moment is the camera angles on Tormund while he's talking and you just see it blurred in the background moving the undead the undead Umber boy's eyes open a little more talking in soon's and then he starts screaming, screaming, screaming and Bear Very, very loud, fire. squealy, pig like yeah. squeal. Yeah, that was that was the moment I jumped and I was shocked. That was like a horror movie yeah. scene for me. I was I was not expecting all that crap to happen. Yeah. And so it gets set ablaze and then the camera drifts away of this on fire spiral thing. Yeah. And so, you know, it just leads to more questions of what does the symbol mean? What is yeah, the night? What knight the fuck king is want? the Night King trying to say? Right. All right, we'll talk about that, uh, what I think, in a second. So the last scene is Winterfell, or the north area. It's Winter Town. They have all these refugees marching up north, and one of them is a hooded figure on a horse. Yeah. And once we get through the gates of Winterfell, the hooded figure... Parks his horse and he takes off his hood, and it is a beautiful, sexy Jamie Lannister yeah. with the best salt and pepper beard I have ever seen in my life.
0: And it was, plus, it was pretty cool. They did it the same way that he gets there in the first episode of the, exactly. of the show. Like exactly. He does the same thing
1: where he gets off his horse, he looks around, kind of takes, takes off it off his all hood. in. Yeah. Yeah, it takes it all in for what it is. And he kind of looks relieved to be there. Yeah. And then he turns and he locks eyes. With part three of
0: Lurking Bran. With literally the last person on the face of the earth he besides Cersei see, that he would want to see.
1: Yeah, the person that in the first episode of Game of Thrones, What We Do for Love, yeah. pushes this 10-year-old kid out the window. A Stark. A Stark. Literally starts the war. And starts the war between the two families. Yeah. And Jamie looks like he's about to poop his pants. Yeah. And uh, the, it cuts out there. And that is our recap of scene by scene of episode one. And after Winterfell. four and a half
0: pages, it says in big, bold letters, episode ends. So so the one, one thing I wanted to ask you is, who do you think the big character, who's the thing? Okay, restart here. <laughs> who do you think is the first big character to die? Because I think it's Jamie.
1: You think it's Jamie? Yeah. Well, I think that... Jamie's gonna end up killing Cersei, and because I think I I am with you with the fact that they're gonna defeat the Night King in episode three, and they're gonna go and march on King's Landing, and the Golden Company, it or Bron, excuse me, Bron is gonna initially try to kill Jamie. His arrow's gonna miss, and it's gonna kill Brienne.
0: You think honestly is gonna he's gonna actually try and kill Jamie? Because I, I would think that I he think gets there. I think he's gonna
1: try at first,
0: and then trade side. I, I would think and that Braun sides. would get there and like not want to do it.
1: He's always been about the about the money though. But he's I, never
0: killed like the friends that we've seen him establish relationships with. He's never like gone against.
1: But he's always put saving his own skin That's first. True. Yeah, he could have fought the mountain in the trial by combat, but yeah, that's Jamie's true. like, yeah, you know, I could get lucky, I could, I could pick and prod over a while, but if I have one misstep, that guy's killing me. Yeah. So, I so as mo- I I want Braun to win more than anyone else. Braun is probably my favorite secondary character on the show.
0: Yeah. But one support for your theory is though the character that plays Braun came out and said in some interview that fans might not like him as much as they. I like do now I
1: think I think he's going to fire an arrow at Jamie it's going to miss and it's going to kill Brienne You think and and you know over the past 5 seasons we've seen this general uh, appreciation, love, respect, admiration between Brienne of Tarth and Jamie Lannister and I think they actually do love each other and I think that the the love will you know climax in episode three or four yeah and then episode five i think braun's gonna gonna try and he's gonna fail kill brienne and i think before i think jamie's gonna kill braun and be like why the fuck did you do that and he's like your sister told me to kill you yeah and he's gonna kill braun and braun and jamie's gonna end up killing cersei uh fulfilling uh the the witch the witch the, the, the yeah. mat Madge I think her name is or whatever. Yeah. fulfill her prophecy of your younger brother will strangle you and kill you. Yeah. And you know yes, Jamie and Cersei are twins, but Cersei came out first, Jamie second. So everyone always thought it's gonna be Tyrion that's gonna kill Cersei and as much poetic justice that would be yeah i do think it will come down to jamie killing the only person he's ever banged or ever really really shown love for the only person that's ever fathered his children i think that will be the full circle of uh jamie i think jamie has to survive until a certain point i think he will die fair enough I i think he will die he will not survive i don't think any lannister survives i hope two of the three survive but yeah I know you're Team Cersei. You're a big team Cersei. No, I guy. no, I'm
0: not a I am not I do not want her to survive. I just thought Tom and I always butt he, butt heads on this because he just wanted her to die all the time. But I just I don't like Cersei. I just think she's a fantastic character. Oh, for the she's show. a great character. You need like she's like Ramsey esque, but like in a female form. Right. With actual like power that matters on like an extra level. And mm-hmm. plus, like, the mountain as her minion and, like, her just not giving a shit and blowing up half the, right. the cast, like, half the, the contracts of the Game of right. Thrones show. And, like, I just like her as a character, is how, how evil she is, how vindictive she is, mm-hmm. and at the same time has emotional connections to people like Jamie and mm-hmm. maybe Euron if that scene of her tearing up is right. true.
1: And, you know, the only thing that was tying her to her sanity in the first six seasons was
0: her children yeah her
1: children were were because regardless of what
0: you said about cersei she did love her children
1: she loved her children more than anything she did everything she could to protect them she didn't yeah. care who the dad was even joffrey even joffrey as incest of a creation he was yeah she loved i mean uh, what was the what was the girl's name
0: do you remember the oh daughter? the daughter um shoot I don't remember. Or whatever, uh, Cecilia or something like that. I'm not sure. Call her Barb. Barb. So, there you go. So Barb and
1: Tommen, and like they they were both really good kids. Like they, yeah, they were, they were sweet. They were kind. They were. She loved them. She adored them. Yeah. And. You know they both died and that was uh, uh, when they died her sanity her tie to sanity was gone so she went full-blown ruthless
0: and plus when she was locked up and then they he she marched to the city too and got the shame bell Mm
2: -hmm. and all that
1: stuff got the shit thrown at her got the guy uh wiggling his jiggly at her yeah and and he ended up getting his skull crushed (laughs) in by the mountain but yeah yeah uh so yeah she's a fantastic character She's so easy to hate, but she it, she she is smart, she is yeah. tactful, but she's not nearly as smart as Tywin. She's not nearly as smart as Tyrion. Yeah. She thinks she's way smarter than what she really is. And I think that will undo her at yeah, the very her, her,
0: end. I feel like her vengeance takes over too much. Yeah.
1: She'll overplay her hand. Yeah. She'll she'll put herself into a situation where I think the golden company betrays her and she's going to have no one. Yeah. And then that's where Jamie kills her. Yeah. Where she'll realize that the person that she loved the most is killing her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense, man.
1: Yeah. So, but you know, I still don't think this has a happy ending. I think the game of Thrones broke the fourth wall in the, in season three episode six, when, uh, ramsey is torturing theon yeah and uh theon's like oh you're you like ramsey gave a break in his torturing and he was then theon was happy yeah and he went back to torture him he's like why 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 and uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to do ramsey's accent but yeah um the quote is all time this is summarizes game of thrones to me if you think this has a happy ending then you haven't been paying attention i
2: remember that yeah
1: then I think that is game of Thrones writers. I think actually George R. R. Martin wrote that episode or directed that episode. And he, it is just him telling the fans like, this isn't going to end well, people yeah. are going to die. You're there's going to, we're going to have to make sacrifices. People you love are going to be gone. We've yeah. been witnessing it for seven seasons. It people are, it's, it's not gonna end well it's either like john either has to sacrifice himself or he's gonna have to kill Bran because Bran will realize he turns into the night king and he's gonna be like you kill me you kill the night king yeah and you know every i think people that we love that we've spent these past nine years building relationships with yeah is gonna go out the window yeah so fair enough theories theories you got any theories for next episode
0: not in this next episode in particular, more so just like, like I said, the show in general, I think probably episode two and three, by the end of three, the Night King will die and they'll, they'll kill the army of the dead in the way that not all the minions will die, mm-hmm. but they'll knock out the big men knowing that strategy. They'll knock out the Night King and then all of them will fall.
1: Knock out another player. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And then yeah, I think
0: I- it ends probably with either Euron betraying Cersei and supporting Daenerys, but then because the Greyjoys with Theon and Yara, Yara was on mm-hmm. Danny's side, I think Euron probably dies in the process and then the Greyjoys yeah. get all their stuff back and then help Danny fight the Lannisters. And mm-hmm. that's how
1: the show ends. Mm hmm. As much as I want Danny and John to live happily ever after and have beautiful incest babies and more dragons and whatever, whatever, I think one of the two die. I think. I think
0: Danny dies because I think John is like the prince that was promised, everything, all that stuff, the Song of Ice and Fire. Mm -hmm. I think he ends the show on that. At the root of
1: it, Danny does the right thing. Yeah. She does what is best for everyone else. And maybe she eventually gives up the Iron Throne. Maybe she sacrifices herself. Maybe. Maybe something happens that we don't know. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about this story is that we have no idea how it's going to end because it's been so unpredictable. So uh, last thing, uh, my one thing about the Golden Company, I think it's going to be huge this season is so Captain Andrew Strickland, who we saw next to Euron on the boat uh he he and his troops they're all they were formed as like they were they were all members of uh noble houses in Westeros. Yeah. And back and this is book stuff and uh there was a Targaryen Civil War where uh the old Targaryen king gave the Targaryen Valerian steel sword to his bastard son instead of his real son and the bastard's son rallied all these troops to fight other uh fight other Targaryens and that was kind of the downfall of the dragons where there's like these 40 or 50 dragons and then like three-quarters of them died oh, in this pro- battle.
0: That'll probably be one of the things that they cover in the mm-hmm. uh prequels that they're going to make.
1: Mm-hmm. And so his and so the bastard's uh, bastard and his army loses and they travel over to Essos and they're like we eventually want to come back. We eventually want to reclaim our titles, reclaim reclaim our lands. And they eventually ended up forming the uh, Golden Company. And they go. And the last thing is, in the books, there's this uh, shout out to my friend Amelia who uh, uh, helped me with figuring this uh, side story out. She, uh, there's this character in the books called Young Griff, who yeah. is a member of the Golden Company. And in the books, he's been uh, telling everyone that he is Aegon Targaryen the fifth, which is uh, uh, Rhaegar and his first wife, the uh, Elia Martell, uh, the Martell uh, uh, Oberyn sister. Yeah, uh, it was he was their firstborn son, and he allegedly was murdered by the Mountain and the sacking of King's Landing. Yeah. And, but he's, he's over in Essos and he's coming over and he's a member of the golden company and he's coming to reclaim the throne is what he's trying to say in the book. So maybe they play that storyline. That'd be interesting. And if they drop that big of a bombshell, the, the, the books or the story or the TV show drops this huge prop, like big potential storyline yeah and the show this late into the series that'd be something i might look out for because he he does have quite a bit of lines in the book so it'd be interesting to look out for
0: yeah that'd be that would definitely be interesting especially because like you said to drop that biggest storyline at this point of the show would be pretty bold but i mean you can't put anything out of the reach of game of thrones yeah they cover everything man How, how long have we been going we are just about to hit Two and a half hours, I believe. Jesus, so uh, sorry, I'll, not
1: sorry, guys. This is Game of Thrones. Yeah. We'll do deep. We I think we spent more time talking about the Astrolabs and the Red Wedding and yeah. like what the fuck. I can't believe they died. We did like a recap of like our of Game of Thrones so far, and then uh, we spent so much time on the first page.
2: Yeah, I
0: mean, <laughs> recapping the first episode though, like going over everything, especially because it's been two years, going over everything and all of our impressions of the season right. before. I mean, especially because it's the final season, too, mm-hmm. that it was appropriate.
1: Guys, we waited two years for this. Yeah. yeah. Like, like. Excuse congrats, us if we
0: splurge a little bit. Yeah,
1: like, congrats to all of us for making it 595 days without Game of Thrones in our lives. And yeah. we got six weeks left of it, yeah. now five. So, I mean... Oh my god, I can't believe it's almost over. But it's just been it's been so much fun. It's it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a ride worth enjoying, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, man.
0: Well on that note, uh thank you very much for coming on the show and thank you very much for coming up with the or not or just creating the scene by scene layout of our game of thrones. Maybe I should shorten the outline next time. (laughs) Maybe maybe next time do a little bit shorter. Maybe one page instead of five. Yeah, I think so. But uh I mean, like you said, I think mainly the reason why we talked so much about it is because we were just getting two years of wanting to talk about right. This shit yeah, I mean, all out the window.
2: There's
1: only so many message boards you can you can uh, reply on, right? Yeah. Only so many tweets you can
0: see or memes yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Until the show, until something actually happens, it's all speculation.
1: Right. I mean, this was a crossing the t's and dying the eyes episode. Like yeah. we all knew of what what Danny did burning the people. We all knew that John was R plus L equals J and everything. But this was this was us seeing the characters realize it for the first time. And you know, yeah, then it did not move the story forward that much, but, you know, this is setting things up to for the rest of the season, which is gonna be freaking epic.
0: Yeah, and like we said, it's the shortest episode of the season. So it's only gonna get better from here on out. Exactly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is real talk with JP episode four with one of my great friends, Adam said, Adam, thanks again for coming on.
1: Dude, thanks for having me,
0: man. Hopefully I can come back on. Oh, yeah. It will definitely will not be the only episode that you will be seeing him as a guest. Reminder, you can find us on iTunes. I finally got Real Talk with JP on iTunes, so all you got to do is search that in the search bar, and you can find us on there. Subscribe, maybe even give us a review. That would be greatly appreciated. And if you're so interested in the video game space, I will also be Twitch streaming from 8 p.m. to 12 midnight Eastern Standard Time Tuesday through Thursday. That is my weekly schedule. If you want to catch me on there, twitch.tv slash J-A-Y-E-P. If you're so interested, if not, if you just enjoy the podcast, thank you very much for listening and thank you very much for being a fan of the show and a fan of us talking about Game of Thrones. With is coming. Oh, yeah. Thanks again, Adam. Thanks, dude. We'll talk to you later, everybody. We'll see you next week. Peace out.